Asshole Court is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. To gain the publicly acknowledged title of the king of anything requires something special. Think about it. A lot of people may call themselves the king of whatever, but it's only when the general public accepts the title that it means something. There's the king of pop, Michael Jackson. There's LeBron James, aka King James. There's the Burger King, that terrifying plastic bearded freak that invades your dreams. The king of questionable relationships with kids, Michael Jackson. But today we're talking about the king of kings. Nope, not Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. A man so absolutely iconic that even if you've never heard him sing a note, you can close your eyes right now and picture him. Or at least one of two versions of him. Young, handsome Elvis or hilariously cartoonish, fat Elvis. But as the decades have passed and his contemporaneous fans slowly die off, Elvis has become more of an idea than a real person to the rest of us. Was the king of rock and roll a bad person? Or was he just a man that lived under more scrutiny than almost anyone else that ever existed before him? We'll try to figure that out today. So grab your hair cream, that fried peanut butter and banana sandwich, and those blue suede shoes as we dive into one of the biggest cultural icons ever on this episode of Asshole Court. Uh, real quick, before we get started, a good friend of all of ours has been going through a rough time lately. His daughter was diagnosed with an extremely rare form of cancer back in the fall and has been getting pretty heavy treatment up in Boston since. She's a fighter, and when I spent some time with them back in January, she managed to keep a smile on and maintain a pretty wicked sense of humor. Anyway, during her treatments, she's also been recording music, and she asked if we'd mention her latest song that she's hoping will help raise more money for treatment. So go check out Sasha Friedman and the song Free To Be Me on Apple Music, it's up for pre-order now. Go check it out. Yeah. I've already pre-ordered it. Absolutely. Yep, I did too. I always support my friends and their kids. She's a good kid. She actually managed to make a joke at a Five Guys Burgers that saying that they should actually speed up the service because she has fucking cancer. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Go, Sash. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. love you, Sash. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. And uh, that, the whole family. So, oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, I want to give a big shout out to Jane Powers of Facebook and MM and Meows from our subreddit who requested this show topic. It's a great one, and I'll be honest, where some show writing assignments I've had have suffered from a dearth of reliable information, Elvis has had more written about him than most U.S. presidents. It was almost too much, so thank you for making me dig through more Elvis shit than a Graceland <laughs> toilet. <laughs> now let's get... Meow. Let's Meow. Yeah. So let's get a prelim scores. Who wants to go first? All right, Randy, what you got on our friend Elvis Presley? Man, I love some Elvis Presley. Mm -hmm. I like all phases of Elvis. I liked early Elvis, uh, wartime Elvis. My favorite Elvis is 
fat karate kicking <laughs> fucking hair gel Elvis baby the end there huh? uh you know what it just uh that was the the fun times right sure <laughs> yeah it was color Elvis because a lot of his stuff prior to that was in black and white that's true you know yeah but you know taking all that aside his personal life like you said Mike there's so much documented about him as a person right yep, sure so you kind of know his story a little bit yeah hell they if you made Forrest Gump like you're an American icon, right? Think of all the people that are in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much American icons. And sure enough, Elvis stopped by the house. Yeah, and, he's oh, right yeah. there with JFK and Richard Nixon and LBJ. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Martin Luther King. Remember the I Have a Dream when Jenny ran through the fountain? The, but no, that oh. wasn't Martin Luther King. That, right. was that was actually Abby Hoffman. That was Abby Hoffman. <laughs> I digress. Yeah. You know, my- Randy's fever dream of Forrest Gump is something I may want to watch. You guys know my movie history. That's true. All right. So, you know, as far as being an asshole, I know we're going to get into the Lisa Marie thing, right? Priscilla. Priscilla Presley. Yeah. Well, he had a, he had a daughter, but yes, his wife Priscilla <laughs> yes. um, was not of age when uh, Elvis started banging her. Oh. So uh, I know we'll get into that. And, I'm, you know, it's not like we're burying the lead. This true. is old information. Um, but to start him off, you know, trying not to be too biased. I'm going to have him at like uh, 3.75. Oh, okay, okay. 3.75. So he's on the better range of a normal dude. It's Elvis. Okay. All right. You know. Hey. Trying not to be biased. All right. All right, An buddy. icon. He brought a lot of people a lot of joy. Yeah, he did. That's yeah. it. Yes. All right, uh, buddy, what do you have for Elvis? All right. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very familiar with Elvis's work. Um, I, I don't listen to a lot of his music, but I mean, there's just so many classic iconic songs of his mm-hmm. that, I mean, even, even if you don't listen to Elvis, you know these songs. Mm-hmm. The research that I did going into this is, you know, I, I haven't done a lot of uh, like his back history or anything like mm-hmm. that. I know his songs and stuff like that. But uh, so I watched the movie Elvis on HBO Max. I knew you were going to. When I was writing this, I was like, fucking Buddy is going to go ri- watch this new, which I refused to watch because I fucking hate Boz Lerman. And I was like, I hate his movies. So I was like, I, I'm not going to watch this. But I knew as I was writing, I was like, buddy, buddy has definitely fucking watched this movie. Oh, I'm definitely. Buddy. I love it. That's right. Definitely. That's have. why we love him. You know, he's old school, but he's one of ours. And okay. We love him. Yeah, Absolutely. And keep me around. Yeah. Watching movies for us. And there we go. Keeping y'all, uh, keeping Updated. y'all's fingers on the pulse. That's right. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's heavily slanted towards, uh, you know, Colonel Tom Parker being mm-hmm. an asshole. And, uh, Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker was, uh, it was, it was just rough. Um, that sucks. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. just like the yeah. the accent that he gives the whole. Yeah, time you were talking about it the other is, day. It's just you're right weird... there with my wife who hates Tom Hanks' voice, and I was just like, huh? No, I love Tom Hanks. I know, but his voice in this one was this bothering one, it's, you, it's and I was rough. like, yeah, that's why my wife is honestly, she's like, I can't stand him because his voice bothers me so much. She's like, it's, it's all nasally and yeah. And he also uh, the whole time, and maybe this is what Colonel Tom Parker did, but he was smoking a cigarette in between his middle finger and ring finger. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how he would pull it up. Really? Oh, you uh, know he definitely did some research on that. And, uh, yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, but no, it made Colonel Tom Parker look like the asshole, and uh, basically uh, Elvis was just manipulated by him the whole time. But it looked like Elvis was the good guy for the most part. And, uh, you know, there's always going to be stress that comes along with that life. And, you know, I know that there was, prior to all this, I know that there's some adultery that goes on, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you're a, a major sex icon, um, I didn't it, think about that when I gave my prelim score. <laughs> Damn, buddy. All right. Well, it's all right. Yeah, what's well, done, I mean, he's what's sec- done is done. He's a sex icon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he can't help himself. He's fallen into pussy. 
left forgot, and right. I forgot that's how I it works. I can't help falling <laughs> to puss <laughs> and run in front of you, Priscilla. Don't don't look, Priscilla. Don't look. But uh, so yeah, uh, for me, um, I'm interested to do the show because you know I know that, but I don't know a lot more about the man. So uh, I'm interested to see you know like how he came up and uh, you know what he you know the research that Mikey did that kind of will uh, shed some light on whether or not the movie I watched was accurate or not. So okay. pre-show, uh, I'm going to give him a five point one, and uh, we'll see where he rounds up by the end of the show. But I think he's a little bit more you know with the adultery and stuff like that. I got to at least give him a little bit higher pre-show. Sure. All right, Mike. Well, so I um I'm gonna make this fat like pretty quick and painless because we have a lot of ground to cover. Because like I said, it was like researching fucking Ulysses uh, S. Grant. <laughs> um, I'm gonna start him off with a five. There's, there's a lot there. There's definitely a lot there. Uh, but also there's you know I mean he he wasn't a horrible person. There's just really no way around that. He was fairly decent dude. Uh, had some issues in life like all of us do, and we'll go from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. With a 3.75 from Randy, a 5.1 from Buddy, and a 5.0 from Mikey, Elvis's pre-show asshole score is a 4.62. Right, 4.62. Interesting territory for Elvis pre-show. Just above Dustin Diamond at a 4.6, and just a shade below Oprah at a 4.75. Oh, Is where you will find Elvis Presley pre-show. Right between Screech and Oprah. Screech and Oprah is where Elvis will fall. Sure. All right. Awesome. All right, you guys ready to rock? (laughs) I'm already shook up. Fantastic. Let's get started. Let's jump in. Elvis Aaron Presley is born on January 8th, 1935 in Tupelo, Mississippi to Vernon Elvis and Gladys Presley in a little two-bedroom shotgun shack that Vernon had actually built in anticipation of his new family. Ah, with his bare hands. That's true. That's right. He did it, yeah. And it's not known by a lot of people, but Elvis Presley had a twin brother, Jesse, which has to be tough later on to watch Elvis become an international (laughs) superstar and legitimate icon while you scrape away as a used car salesman in Mississippi. So perhaps sensing a future of being compared unfavorably to his juggernaut of a sibling, Elvis's brother decides to die at birth. Oh, damn. I was going to say, I figured that was coming because I had never heard of Elvis's brother. Yeah. 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 So I figured that might have been the end of the story for him. Yeah. I'm starting off with an incredibly dark joke. And if you're a new listener, I apologize. (laughs) There will be lighter fare ahead. So don't tap exit yet. Yeah. In the movie they had um, before Elvis is one of his first shows. uh, He was nervous and he was out back and um, they're trying to calm him down a little bit. And then they have a group, you know, kind of like a group meeting Mm -hmm. with just the family. And Mama looks up at the full moon. It's like Jesse's looking down on us from heaven. Oh, yeah. He's always with us here, but he went ahead and died, so you'd have the strength of two men. Oh and God! Just like, count your blessings. Little. No pressure, dude. <laughs> <laughs> your brother sacrificed his life to make you stronger. Count your blessings, little Elvis. You could be Jesse. That's right. <laughs> Wrong son died. He said, "I'm cutting half real bad." <laughs> All right, little Elvis is close with both of his parents, but definitely very close with Gladys. Some would later say creepily close. <laughs> he was a mama's boy, and that's okay. Yeah. I'm a bit of a mama's boy. Yeah. I don't mind it. The family is religious and attends an Assembly of God church, and little Elvis is into the music at church from a very early age. But not all was perfect in pre-Graceland. Unfortunately for Elvis and Gladys, Vernon was a bit of a deadbeat. He bounced around from job to job, 
There was no career track for the old man, and this caused the family to rely heavily on handouts from neighbors and welfare from the state. Just three years after little Elvis is born in the little shotgun shack, the Presleys lose it after Vernon engaged in a little bit of check fraud. Oh, damn, Vernon? Mm -hmm. You built it with your bare hands and then lost it? Yeah. Yeah. Little check fraud. Che- little yep. check fraud. Landed him in jail. That's right. You Old know, Vernon I, I, I is bet locked you up. Gotten away with it for a while back then. It probably took yeah. A while. It yeah. took a while yeah. for them to catch up with you. Yeah. you know? I mean that check. You like cash. I mean I don't even have money worked back then. <laughs> a check. You <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? You're like someone has to like get it sent to them. They have to read it and they have to I go imagine. through like a ledger. They pull up that green hat. They're I like, imagine check fraud could have been just bouncing checks. Flying kites is what they called it back in the day, man. And just the, writing a check that you don't have in the, money the for. 90s. I knew somebody that was uh, really good at it. Really good. Could float checks for like a couple weeks while they move money around, man. You can't do that shit anymore. For the best. I mean, it's good for a good thing. Sure. Old Vernon is locked up for eight months on the charge, and Gladys and Elvis are forced to move in with relatives to avoid being homeless in Tupelo, Mississippi, which would absolutely suck man, dick. Man, that would be hot. Yeah, and if rough. You, <laughs> if you already think Tupelo sucks, and it definitely does, sorry, Tupelo, but you know it's true. <laughs> Imagine having to f- be fucking homeless there. Seriously, once I took a bus across the country and we stopped off in Tupelo for a 15-minute break for the driver, and the long, sleep-deprived meth head in the bus aisle next to me felt more welcoming and safe. <laughs> so, funny fact, uh, Greg Brady from Grady Bunch. From Grady, the Brady Bunch? From the Brady Bunch, yes. Um, has a show in uh, Tupelo? Tupelo, Tupelo, Mississippi. Yeah. Oh, I think really? it is, yeah. yeah. Interesting. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Tupelo. Maybe so. Maybe. Well, like I said the the meth head was more uh, enjoyable, and uh, which is probably why I fell in love with him and spent a glorious summer together before realizing that we just didn't have the same goals in life and went our separate ways. On Greyhound, of course. Randy wants to verify Greg Brady's Tupelo yeah. project. This is incredibly important. Uh, it's in Branson, Missouri. Oh, uh, yeah. It's not in Tupelo. Yeah. Nice God. try. The Vegas for fucking dorks. <laughs> Branson? Yeah, dude. It's awful. The Ozarks. The Ozarks are cool. Beautiful place. Beautiful yeah. place. Young Elvis was not an impressive student, according to his teachers, at an early age. That but, doesn't shock me. No. Right? No. But one school teacher did encourage him to enter a singing contest at the Mississippi-Alabama Fair and Dairy Show after hearing him sing. He was so young that he had to stand on a chair to reach the mic. But even from an awkward perch, Elvis's charisma was immediately obvious, and he fucking brings the house down with a soulful rendition of the song Old Shep. Colonel Tom Parker is in the audience and immediately corners the young crooner backstage and has a contract ready for him. I'm ready for the story uh, that they pulled the chair away and he just levitated. That's it. And pretty much to the heavens. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kidding. Elvis places fifth and nobody gives a shit. (laughs) Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. All right. Nice. I was like, that didn't happen in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. He continues. I know. It's about, I wish, I I really fucking hate that Buddy watched this goddamn movie because now, (laughs) now he's going to be like, be like, wait a second. That doesn't seem right. Well, it's funny because last episode, Tupac won the rap contest at the library. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Elvis lost. The singing contest at the That's Dairy right. Show. That's Man. Right. Around the same time, Presley asked for a bicycle or a rifle for his birthday. His mom delivers and gets him a guitar. Little Elvis <laughs> is disappointed. I thought she was going to get him a bicycle with a gun mounted on it. That would be tight. Yeah. <laughs> like 1950? Yeah, a 50 right, cal on that fucker. Something, yeah. It's got like the uh, playing cards in between the spokes oh, yeah. as well. With a red rider attached to the handlebars. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. <laughs> But whatever, he makes lemonade from the gifted lemons and he teaches himself to play guitar a little bit and is given lessons by his uncles and a pastor at his church. 
But Lil Elvis is extremely shy and wouldn't sing in public anymore after his version of Old Shep went over like a fart and shared sleeping bag. Elvis moves on to Milam Junior High in 1946. I think that's how it's pronounced. It's M-I-L-A-M. Milam? Milam? I don't Milam. Know. I go Milam. Milam. I'll go Milam. Yeah. By this time, he's dragging his little guitar with him everywhere, and he'd play and sing at lunchtime. He draws a crowd and becomes popular quickly after belting out hit songs while everyone chows down on their shitty school lunches. I'm also joking about that. He doesn't have friends and gets teased for being trashy and playing hillbilly music <laughs> because... <laughs> Because kids are mean as fuck and at this time are also racist as fuck. And little Elvis definitely lives in a black part of town. And that didn't help him in Mississippi. Hell, it still probably wouldn't help today. Right? Yeah, him and his mama couldn't afford anything else. So they were over in the black part of the mm-hmm. of the county. That's right. Or the city. That's right. And uh, yeah, Elvis struggled a little bit for Other sure. Other side of the tracks. That's right. But Elvis is uh, relatively unfazed. When he goes home, he listens to a radio uh, show on local station W-E-L-O religiously. It was hosted by a country singer named Mississippi Slim. <laughs> Nowadays, that See, name is... That's a pretty gangster name. It yeah. is. I was about to say. Nowadays, that name is probably taken by a rapper from Pascagoula. But <laughs> at the time, it was the moniker of a dude that dressed like the Lone Ranger without the mask. You know, I was driving to work this week, and I had uh, this thought that kind of continued for a while about what kind of nickname... If you had to choose a nickname, like to go for your middle name, what what you know? And I, the one that I kept getting hung up on that I think I like is Night Train. You would be Night Train, <laughs> Rainy Night Train. That makes, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. That was yeah, immediately like that came train. to mind. <laughs> I don't know. I like that one. That one yeah. stuck as I rolled through multiple. Yeah. Well, as a white man, I would be the Polar Express. <laughs> nice. Oh, nice. Mikey, the Polar Express. Yeah. Nice. God, yeah. I don't even know what I would be. Uh, oh, Bankshot. Buddy Bankshot Bozeman. Okay. That sounds like cool. Bankshot. Yeah. Right. I mean, and we all know that Buddy is a straight baller on the courts. Right. <laughs> uh, luckily for Elvis, Mississippi Slim's younger brother went to school with him and was nice enough to befriend the skanky kid and <laughs> take him to the radio station to meet Slim. That's cool. Yeah. And Slim was really nice and not only showed young Elvis some guitar tips, but also allows him to come onto his show and perform. I feel like this is a lie. It's not. Oh. First show first show is a bust because Elvis was all shook up with stage fright. Second show is pretty good. All right. In eighth grade, another student steals Elvis' beloved guitar and cuts the strings because oh, he's an asshole. What yeah. a dick. Man, what if you were that kid like 30 years later? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, oh, there's it. a lot of that. I'm the one that stole his guitar and cut Absolutely. the strings on it. Yeah. Well, luckily enough of the kids like liked him. Apparently, they raised money to get him new strings. Oh, that was yeah. nice of them. I mean, hey, they're like 30 kids. Like, hey, you guys can pitch in like, what, like four cents a piece and we can get them some <laughs> strings? Uh, late 1948, the Presleys moved to Memphis, Tennessee, where they spent a year in rooming houses before finally getting a green light on a small apartment in the city's public housing. Elvis is legitimately living in poverty as a child, and that's sad, honestly. Like, feel for the guy. All of us on this show had a pretty solid middle-class upbringing and cannot possibly relate to a childhood that is so uncertain and tough. No. Yeah, no, not at all. I can't imagine literally, like, staying in a, like, a, a boarding a, house. A boarding house, waiting, yeah. yeah, waiting just to get an apartment in public housing. And, you, yeah, I mean, if you were waiting for public housing, imagine how, like, the on-deck circle was. That's, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. it's Section 8. I mean, yeah. that's what you're oh, waiting for, sure. you know, getting through the paperwork. I mean, it took a year. And then, like, how do you even, yeah, how do, what do you do with your kid? I can't even imagine that shit. Yeah, no, the other day uh, I was driving to work, and I noticed a school bus was at a hotel. 
and stopped, turned the lights on, and kids got on the bus. I, I like, know. Man. There was one by my old office, and it always yeah. made me so sad to see them in those weekly rentals. It was by like, your old hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There would be like seven or eight of them out there, man. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Anyways, Elvis goes to L.C. Hume's high school, and it's a pretty sizable school compared to what he was used to. It's so overwhelming that on his first day, after he's dropped off by his father, Elvis immediately runs home and hides. He musters up the courage to attend on the second day, apparently. The good news is that after seeing him sing and play the guitar, his music teacher recognizes the innate talent in young Elvis and offers to promote him at local clubs around Memphis. Nah, I'm kidding. He actually tells Elvis that he has no aptitude for singing. So, oh, wow. <laughs> you're too stupid to sing, son. That's right. <laughs> Learn how to dig ditches better. That's right. So Elvis tells him that he just doesn't appreciate his type of singing. And Elvis shows up the next morning, guitar in hand, and cranks out, keep them cold, icy fingers off of me, to which his music teacher responds, you're right. I don't appreciate that kind of singing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> nice. Strike two. Yeah, that's right. Fuck off, music teacher. Yeah. If that's not bad enough, Elvis is constantly getting picked on by the kids in his school who call him Mama's Boy. And a later label mate, Barbara Pittman, recalled how her older brother and his friends, quote, used to hide behind buildings and throw things at Elvis, rotten fruit and stuff, because he was different, because he was quiet and he stuttered and he was a mama's boy, end quote. Damn. Wow. That mama's boy label's coming through hard. They must yeah, have seen something that we didn't. Right? Well, uh, but I mean, in, in the movie, he was a hardcore mama's boy. Oh, yeah. Like, That's I mean, why people were kind of creeped out by it. Yeah. It was a little weird. Yeah, it was. I love my mom, but man, yeah. Well, think about the, the, the whole circumstance, right? So they were poor as fuck. Yeah. Dad goes to jail. It's just him and his mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and sure. He sat and watched his mom struggle and struggle and like, you forge a bond, right? With, of course. Yeah. It's like the trauma bond. Sure. Right. You know? But if you go through a trauma bond for 10 years, yeah. like, you're in, dude. That's your that's your person. Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. Yeah. And that was her person. And that's the way they portrayed it, in yeah. a sense. That was yeah. her rock, in a sense. And from the first concert, she saw the way that the girls looked at him, and mm. she knew that they were the girls were going to take him from her. Oh, yeah. And she, you know, that was always a that's big really point of contention. Yeah. Like, Super creepy. You know, yeah. my mom thought the same thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when she saw the way the girls looked at me. Yeah. She knew, God almighty, Randy. It's happening. Yeah. It's I'm going gonna down. You. I'm going to lose you one day, son. I'm guessing. You're, I luck. I would You're lucky, babe. I, <laughs> I would like to say that him and his mom probably didn't fuck, but there's questions there. Damn, dude. I oh. mean, for real, it oh. was a very strange really? relationship. They would talk, like baby talk to each other and shit like that. Like there was rumors that there was some weird... Shit going. I don't know. Look, I'm not going to put this out there like it's a fact. It's just that obviously there was a very close relationship that was strange. And her being concerned about him losing him to other girls, I'm just kind of like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, if like she bathed him as an adult, I'd be a little more concerned. <laughs> That's a little concerning. God. I can't go on the road with you and bathe you, Elvis. Oh, man. man. Even now at like 40, whatever I am, too. Uh, I couldn't imagine my mom seeing me naked. No, no, no oh, God, no. no. Yeah. Oh, absolutely not. Let's move on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> on to greener pastures. Yeah, yeah. dude. Anyways, like Elvis is getting picked on all the time. It's fucking brutal, dude. Like I always assumed that Elvis like came out of the womb cool as hell, but poor fellow really got fucked up in school, man. Yeah. Hmm. But he does make some friends at Lauderdale Courts, the public housing complex where he lives. An older teenager there gives him guitar lessons, and he becomes a bit more comfortable with performing in front of crowds. He's also beginning to develop his own sense of style, too. 
As a junior in high school, he grows out his sideburns and grows his hair long and styles it with Vaseline and rose oil. And he wears flashy clothes. Vaseline and rose oil. Yeah. yeah that's some 1940s shit, bro. Yeah. They, they had him wearing some pink jackets and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Pink coats and stuff. Yeah. Wearing eyeliner and stuff. Like yeah. back in, what, the 50s? 40s. 40s. Like uh, yeah. middle school, I used to rock the uh, the spike. The full head spike. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember the full, the full spike. I actually just got a mental picture of your yearbook photo. <laughs> I'm dying. Yeah. Oh, the white the shirt. The side spike? No, it was a white. Yeah, it was no, a yeah, white. The full spike. Oh, yeah. It was a white shirt with a denim over shirt. Yeah. Right? Unbuttoned, of course. And then the full spike. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Shit eating grin on my face. But what took me by surprise is at football practice, we'd be halfway through and I'm like, oh my fucking god, what is wrong? Like you I got the sh- gel in your eyes. It was the gel and the hairspray. The LA shit. looks. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Before yeah. practice, I'd have to wash it all out, and then actually, uh, yeah, yeah, pray I didn't get any more gel in my eyes. It was gross. I mean, I just do it intentionally. That's <laughs> fucking hair people problems right there. I brush my teeth with uh, LA looks, and I also <laughs> use it as eye drops. Is LA looks even still around? Uh, maybe. I hope so. Maybe. Probably like Dollar General. Nice. I'll have to check yeah. it out next time. Next I'm there. to Perp Plus. Yeah. Some make the claim that Elvis's style is a direct copy and paste of comic book hero Captain Marvel Jr. And when I looked at like this obscure character up, it definitely fits. Really? Yeah. Like that comic book character, you're like, that's fucking Elvis, dude. Huh. Right there. Yeah. That's what they said in the movie. That was his favorite mm-hmm. superhero. Oh, he Owen. loved it. Yeah, loved yeah. it, dude. Elvis would spend a lot of time on Beale Street checking out music, but also checking out the gear at Lansky Brothers. And though he couldn't really afford the like Lansky Brothers clothes, he did copy that style. Unfortunately for Elvis, kids are dumb and mean, and so they picked on him about his style. One day, several bullies corner young Elvis in the bathroom and are in the process of cutting his hair off. Oh, my God. When a football player named Red West helps Elvis out. Nice. Red West would later go on to be a part of Elvis's tight circle of security and friends, the Memphis Mafia. Hell yeah. So he definitely didn't forget the favor. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, I hope he remembered him for security or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But after years of bullying and ridicule, Elvis's luck begins to turn. On Beale Street, he meets B.B. King, who introduces him to Satan and oh, offers wow. a young Elvis a deal for his soul. <laughs> nice. There we go. Yep. Become the king of rock and roll. And All I, it, it takes is your little soul. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. That's what I like to think, but there's no way of knowing <laughs> that's the case. Uh, and nothing about that is true, except for the fact that Elvis did hang out with B.B. King. That's cool. On yeah, Beale sure. Street. That is and cool. took uh, clothing and fashion advice from him. That's right. Man, imagine just kind of sitting there having drinks and watching them play guitar. He would probably play guitar and Elvis would sing to it, I would imagine. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, God, they were friends cool. and they imagine hung out at them the- later on when Elvis is like, you know, I don't know, in, in the 60s when B.B. King is a superstar too. And they like meet up. And they're like, remember we used to hang out? Like, let's get fucked up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on, EP. Let's do, let's it, do right. this. Let's do it right now. Yeah, Come on yeah. in, man. Come on in here, man. I let's got get... lots of hookers. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <more bitch-wits. laughs> it's possible that BB King and Elvis spit roasted a couple chicks <laughs> 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 while BB King played the guitar on their on her lower back. Hey, you know what? Though? That's very progressive in those times for races. Yeah. Races to interact. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Especially welcome to the ice cream shop. You got chocolate and vanilla swirl, <laughs> baby. Right. Especially to get spit roast. That is a very <laughs> forward-thinking action on both their parts. That's I'm right. proud. Tired of commercials in the middle of your asshole court episodes? Do you want to say in the next show subject or the next conspiracy we discuss? Well, now you can. Go to patreon.com slash AHC podcast. Get those ad-free shows you want. Get some input on who you want to hear about. 
and become internet famous with a shout out on one of our shows. We've even got stickers and swag to show off to all your friends and you'll get new Conspiracy Court episodes as well. Go to patreon.com slash AHC podcast to find us today. Anyway, in April of 1953, Elvis enters the Humes High School Annual Minstrel Show, which would not be called that. I know. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah the, the fact that they used to call them minstrels and knowing that it was called the menstrual cycle. Oh, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't they know. Knew. They knew it was called the menstrual it's cycle. Spelled differently. Oh, yeah. Very is. differently. Yeah, okay. <laughs> You're right. yeah, it's not with an E. It's with an I. There's a lot less vowels in one of them. That's, yeah, something like that. It's also not gross. All right, so like I was saying, uh, Elvis enters the Humes High School annual menstrual show, not the menstrual cycle. Uh, Elvis shows up and he belts out the song Till I Waltz Again With You and fucking slays the crowd. Chicks in the audience become horny for Elvis. His whole reputation shifts in one night. He would later say, quote, I wasn't popular in school. I failed music. Only thing I ever failed. And then they Was entered music? me. music? Yeah, he failed music. Wow. But he passed everything else? Yeah, apparently so. That's what uh, he says. Or right. maybe so. Points for Elvis for yeah. being alive. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> look, I we watched a lot of his live stuff, literally like before the show and kind of on break and stuff. Mm -hmm. When you watch him talk, he doesn't come across as like the most articulate and intelligent mm -mm. individual. Mm -mm. So if he had to do like calculus or algebra two. Yeah, it's, I, I doubt he would. I don't think Elvis ever did calculus, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't always on his mind, I guess. No, it was not. No. Uh, anyways, he's, he continues. And then they entered me in this talent show. When I came on stage, I heard people kind of rumbling and whispering and so forth because nobody knew I even sang. It was amazing how popular I became in school after that. That's cool. But no matter how cool he was after the annual menstrual show, which is again, not the menstrual cycle, <laughs> Elvis would have to suffer through one last indignity before he shuffles out of high school. Prom night. Elvis brings his date, Regis Wilson. He's 18, she's 14, so oh. that's that's gross and weird, but Ouch. whatever. It's the early 50s, and that shit was normal back then, yeah, I guess. Yeah, That's the senior taking the freshman. Yeah. All right. I mean, and fucking- that's what it was, right? A senior taking a freshman. Well, she was in eighth grade. Um, oh. I mean, fucking Jerry Lee Lewis ended up marrying his 13-year-old cousin when yeah. he was like 27 or some shit. That's right. Oh. Yeah. oh. Anyway, the two young lovebirds go to the Peabody Hotel in Memphis for the event. Elvis wears a blue suit and- Yes, blue suede shoes, Fuck for yeah. real. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. As they enter, the high school kids are already in full swing, dancing and holding hands and looking for commies or whatever kids did in the <laughs> early 50s. Regis is like, Elvis, let's get out there on that dance floor and you can give me a good sense of how the sex will be later on tonight. Sweet. Oh, wow. Show me them hips. I don't know if she said anything about sex, though, uh, but uh, I'd like to imagine it. Elvis tells her, I can't dance. Regis calls him a dickless loser. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, the end of the story. That's the, yeah, that's the vernacular they used back then, too, I believe, was dickless loser. It was a common phrase. That's right. I'm kidding, of course. She says that it's okay, and they sit there at a table and watch the other kids grind on each other in anticipation of that wicked prom night bang sesh in their Studebakers at Makeout Point. Hell yeah. Elvis tells Regis that he wants to get out of there and that he's going to take her to Leonard's Barbecue to meet some of his friends and party. They arrive at Leonard's and nobody shows up to meet Elvis or hang out. Oh. He leaves about like uh, like an hour or so later and Regis recalls him being embarrassed and disappointed. Shortly after that prom night, Regis moves to Florida and doesn't even tell Elvis. She says it's because she was embarrassed by her financial situation that forced them to move. 
But come on, Elvis is living in fucking to, public I was housing. About to say she had to be really poor. Yeah, <laughs> if she was embarrassed, you know, not to tell Elvis. Yeah, yeah he's living in public housing. I, I, I don't think corny. <laughs> I don't think he gives a shit. And later on, when his prom picture was displayed at Graceland or wherever, Regis admits that she didn't have her copy. Sounds like she ghosted Elvis, tossed that pic, and probably talked shit about him to her friends. Oh, wow. wow. Then later on, when he gets bigger uh, than Jesus, uh, she's all like, I really loved him. Mm-hmm. i got to reconnect with him. The whole him. time, Kathy Lee was just pissed about all of it. Of course. Who's Kathy Lee? Regis and Kathy Lee. Right? Oh, that's right. I forgot, what? yes. Regis Kathy Lee was a show from the early 90s. Yeah, so I remember that. Yeah, her name is Regis, which I also was thinking oh. like, yeah. And that's just my stupid mind looping it all together. <laughs> and okay. There you go. It's a good shout out to anybody our age. I, Who I wants to be a millionaire? Everybody true. knows yeah, that show. Everybody okay. knows that show. He's dead, and that's okay. Is he? Yeah, he died Regis like last Filburn? year. Phil Burton is Philbin. <laughs> Philbin? Philburn? <laughs> oh, he got burned. <laughs> he, yeah, he did. He burned uh, somehow to death, actually. He was in a uh, car fire. Yeah. <laughs> Him and Paul. What's his Walker. name? Walker. <laughs> it was Regis. It was Regis's Porsche they were driving. Regis. <laughs> hey, Paul! Hop in, buddy! I don't see why not. All right, let me catch my breath here real quick. <laughs> we just ripped on Regis and Paul Walker from Fast and the Furious fame about dying in a car fire. Uh, that's that's what we do. I said that there wouldn't be a lot more dark humor at the beginning, but that is not true. R.I.P. to both of them. Sorry about all that. That's all right. Anyway, shortly thereafter, Elvis graduates and decides that music is the only path he's going to pursue. Well... I mean, you he see people. Right. Yeah, you see a lot of people take that route and, and honestly, fail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> miserably. It's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to be a pro baseball player. Cool. Good luck with that. All right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so many failures out there. Uh, this is what you call survivorship bias. <laughs> this is why we talk about Elvis because he was the one that made it through the fires of uh, show business. So he dyes his hair black, sometimes with shoe polish because Elvis was actually a natural blonde. Oh, what? really? Yeah. The reverse Zach Morris. That's exactly right. August 1953, a few months after graduation, and Elvis strolls into the Memphis Recording Service, the precursor to the famous Sun Records. Yep. He's got $4 in his hand, intent on recording a song for his mom for her birthday, a record that she wouldn't ever hear, allegedly because the Presleys were too poor to own a record player. But Ooh. that's questionable, honestly. I mean, Interesting. he's got to know he's point. making a yeah. yeah, I'm sure they had a record player. Of course. I got that from uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not, which is not a uh, very, <laughs> uh, you know, reliable source. I've been to the uh, Sun Records uh, Museum. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's um, right across the street from uh, Dollywood. Is that right? No. I thought it was in Nashville. It's, yeah, or Memphis, or right? Memphis, yeah. Yeah. I want to say it's in... You went to S-O-N Records, Sun Records. <laughs> <laughs> January of the following year, 1954, he comes back and cuts another album. The argument uh, from some is that he was going in with the hopes of being discovered. Like, a lot of people talk about, he could have gone anywhere. Like, there was another place he could have recorded some shitty album. Right. They, they had, like, worse equipment. But he went to Sun Records because it was... A bigger deal. Yeah, this is Matt Damon at being a, a janitor Goodwill at Hunting, Goodwill yeah. Hunter. Right. Yeah. While he's waiting for someone to discover him, he auditions for a quartet there in Memphis, the Songfellows, 
and gets denied. (laughs) He takes a job working as a truck driver to help make ends meet while he continues pursuing the singing thing. He tries out for another band as a vocalist. He gets denied again. (laughs) Man, I'm glad he was persistent because we almost didn't hear about this guy. As soon as my fucking uh, eighth grade teacher was like, you can't sing for shit, I'd be like, God damn it. I immediately... Yeah, yeah, uh, there's no way. I think you have to be... There's a different type of person that just won't... Now, the thing is, is that there's a lot of these people that exist. Like, they're so... Uh, you know, they like persevere, but most of them don't make it. They end up like living in a shitty apartment when they're like 50 and they're yep. like, I fucked up my whole life. Yep. Yeah. This time he's told by the band leader that he should be happy. He has a regular job as a truck driver because, quote, you're never going to make it as a singer. Wow. Yeah. But luckily for Elvis, the owner of Memphis Recording Services slash Sun Records, a guy named Sam Phillips, was on the hunt for a specific type of talent. Phillips constantly told everyone around him, quote, if I could find a white man who had the Negro sound and the Negro feel, I could make a billion dollars, end quote. And he had become aware of Elvis via his recording sessions and felt that Elvis just might be that dude. Mm-hmm. Might sure. be the guy. Yeah. Well, he was around all of that growing up. He had that influence. That's right. You know, yeah. so, I he mean, was the original Eminem. Yeah, pretty much. Sure. By June of 1954, Phillips is bringing in Elvis to take shots of different songs that he thinks would be huge. He pairs him with guitarist Winfield Scotty Moore and upright bass player Bill Black to fill out the recording session. The session, held the evening of July 5th, proved entirely unfruitful until late in the night. As they were about to abort and go home, Presley took his guitar and launched into a 1946 blues number, Arthur Crudup's That's All Right. Moore recalled, quote, All of a sudden, Elvis just started singing this song, jumping around and acting the fool. And then Bill picked up the bass and he started acting the fool too. And I started playing with them. Sam, I think, had the door to the control booth open. He stuck his head out and said, what are you doing? And we said, we don't know. He said, well, back up. Try to find a place to start and do it again. Phillips quickly began taping, and this was the sound he had been looking for. There it is. Nice. That's when it happens sometimes, just like magic like that. They kind of let go, right? They're like, well, fuck it. We suck. Here, I'm going to try this. This Mm -hmm. is actually kind of fun. That's that's what happens. You let go and on a whim. Yep. Mm And that recording is literally the launch point of Elvis, the king of rock and roll. A few days later, a major Memphis DJ, Dewey Phillips, plays That's All Right on his show. The audience fucking freaks and calls in asking who it is and what it is and asking him to play it again. Nice. Dewey plays the song multiple times throughout the course of the show and eventually actually gets Elvis on the line for an on-air interview. Oh, nice. In which he has Elvis explain where he went to high school so the audience would know that although it sounds vaguely black, the singer himself was not black. So it was okay to like it. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right for the time that tracks yeah. Mississippi in the fifties. Yeah, it's Memphis. But yeah, Memphis, same yeah. same area. So south yeah. in the fifties, yeah. you know. Elvis and Moore and Black play for the first time live on July seventeenth, nineteen fifty four. Actually, let me back up because they were saying that he played the song. He had a two hour show and he just Pretty much just kept playing it and playing it and playing it. People they, were calling in. Yeah, they kind of hinted at that in the movie. They said that, you know, this guy's played this song on the radio 27 times in a row yeah, or something yeah. like that. And it that's was, kind of what caught Colonel Tom Parker's attention. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Elvis and Moore and Black play for the first time live on July 17th, 1954. Elvis was still playing his child-sized guitar, which is hilarious. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> he had a little fucking, <laughs> a little tight guitar out there. Looking like a ukulele or something. Yeah, exactly. Later that month at another live event, Elvis drops his famous rubber legs on the crowd, partially because he was in time with the rhythm and also 
because he was nervous as fuck and legit shaking at times. Whatever it is, the girls in the audience straight melt. Because it's the 1950s and a dude shaking his legs is super sexual for that time. I mean, these chicks chicks had never even seen a dick probably. So (laughs) having Elvis swinging his hips was the closest thing to porn for them. That's right. Yeah, that's where they start off the movie pretty much is in that scene. And it's like, well, I guess he definitely had already seen Forrest already because he was swinging his hips. Well, they were saying too, like at one of these shows... It was one of the shows where he sort of didn't do well at first. And then the second show, the drummer was a guy who had played burlesque shows. Ooh. And well, so he, he had the he had the rhythm down. Where that's why that he had tempo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that would be when they take the but bow off. Yeah. And he yeah, did yeah. it for Elvis. And Elvis was humping the air, boy. Yeah. Well, you, you did skip over when he met Forrest Gump. I did. That's oh. true. Yeah. I, I looped that back in, though. That's Thanks. right. That's so. right. Thanks, buddy. Anyway, Elvis is getting big and he's getting big fast. So he does the next natural thing in that career. He goes on to the Grand Ole Opry, but he only receives a modest response from the audience and is told by the showrunner that he was, quote, not bad, but didn't suit the program. Hmm. I've been at the Grand Ole Opry. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Right there in downtown Nashville. That's right. Over there by the Ryman. Yeah. In November 1954, Presley performs on Louisiana Hayride, which is the Grand Ole Opry's competition at the time. It's a yep. pretty big show, man. The Shreveport-based show is broadcast to 198 radio stations in 28 states. Although Presley struggles with the nerves on the first show, he crushes on the second, right? Nice. Crushes so hard, in fact, that the Hayride books Elvis for a year's worth of Saturday night appearances. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. This gig allows Elvis to toss the baby guitar and buy a real one finally. <laughs> nice. It also allows him to play in venues all across the Southeast. And he also lands his first and last commercial jingle gig, singing for Louisiana Hayride sponsor Southern Made Donuts. He sings, You can get them piping hot at 4 p.m. You can get them piping hot. Southern Made Donuts hits the spot. You can get them hot after 4 p.m. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Hot after 4, huh? I guess so. Right, so strange. it's not just fresh in the morning. After 4 p.m., which I don't really get that either. They're evening donuts. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the only time that the hot and fresh sign is on. It's the evening donuts. <laughs> yeah. How do you guys prefer your donuts? Do you prefer donuts in the morning or in the evening? Uh, I'll eat them pretty much any time, but I'm not a huge donut guy. So it, I just have to be in the mood. What's your favorite donut? Uh, the Bismarck. What the is fuck the is the Bismarck? With the cream fill? Yeah. Oh, okay. Is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was chocolate, chocolate, chocolate topped cream filled. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's my, my favorite. Do- that's my favorite donut yeah, as well. Nice. I yeah. honestly, we're going three for three. Here. Oh, nice. oh, wow. Okay, cool. yeah. yeah. My but most hated donut is powdered. a. Uh, I don't like powdered everywhere. But I also hate lemon jelly filled because oh. they also have powdered on them. And lemon jelly is fucking I know. disgusting. I like my wife lemon. loves that, but oh. I, I can't stand it. I can't stand no, it. I hate it. I do like the raspberry. Jelly, I don't like jelly filled at all. It's I do like the raspberry jelly. I like them all. Uh, Bavarian cream is like my second, no, but I like I the I like the, the I, I like the Bismarck. Yeah, the, the Bismarck is where it's okay. at. Bismarck yeah. is king. Yeah, but to answer Randy's question, I like it more in the evening as a dessert, more so than starting the day off on a sugar load. Oh yeah, Fair. I just get coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. I don't ever get donuts from Dunkin' Donuts except they for sell I buy donuts. I've well, said this many I times. Like the I, bagels. I actually get the donut holes. The yes, the, yeah. for for my staff when I go in, I go. bring in donut holes, and they're all like, "Thank you." My my favorite donut actually is the one where it's like a diamond of those uh, yeah. donut holes oh, all together. Donut, that's a quick trip donut. Yeah, the quick yeah. trip donut. <clears throat> yeah, I bring in those donut holes when I have to give them bad news. <laughs> so everybody, <laughs> it should be uh, like a Pavlovian response yeah. at this point. When I bring start those getting in. nervous when they see you coming in with that's the Dunkin' right. Donuts. Anyways, 
the price that Elvis charges for singing the jingle? One box of hot glazed donuts. No. Yeah. I was really hungry. Oh That's God. it. The donuts are quickly eaten, but the ad is never played publicly. Score one for Elvis, I guess. Oh, and I'm, oh, I'm ahead of a box of donuts. That's it. <laughs> and I'm just saying, when I read about this transaction, I can very clearly see the blueprint for Fat Elvis in later years. <laughs> anyway, he ends up signing a promoter manager by the name of Bob Neal, who introduces Elvis to Colonel Tom Parker, probably the biggest promoter manager in the hillbilly music game at the time. The Colonel books Elvis as a supporting act for his uh, his star at the time, a guy named Hank Snow. Oh, yeah, and that's, like, real just, like, as country as you can get, and, oh, yeah. I mean, just, like, real simple. Yep. Yeah. You know, very clean cut. Yeah. Sun Records is releasing numerous singles by Elvis, then billed as Elvis Presley, Scotty, and Bill. And although his live shows are definitely drawing attention, he's also facing a bit of a problem, of a dilemma. His then-manager, Bob Neal, noticed that many country music disc jockeys would not play Elvis uh, because he sounded too much like a black artist. And none of the R&B stations would touch him because he sounded too much like a hillbilly. Yep. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the the peak of segregation, you know? I mean, that's... I mean, at, at his shows, you had, like, rope lines that were drawn that were, like, you know, whites on this side, coloreds on the other, and oh, stuff wow. like that. So, for a kid who grew up, Buddy, and, buddy, you know you can't call him colored anymore, right? Well, at the time, at the, it, the yeah. sign would say color. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like white uh, water fountain only, colored God, water fountain. What a terrible time to what live a, in. Like, I know, and trying like trying to come out as a mixed artist in a yeah, sense, right? Yeah, at, yeah. Like before, even before segregation, like yeah. that's you had to be really good. good I mean, I was. guess at, at certain points, like the the frog and boiling water. If you've lived in that segregation, it's sort of normal to you, but like. Looking back now, it'd be fucking insane yeah. to go back and be like, oh my God, like this is, yeah, it's, it's a, and you could, it wasn't even like, oh, because the rule was it was supposed to be separate but equal. It was definitely not equal. Their no. water fountain looked like shit. Yeah. It was like a fucking urinal. <laughs> yeah. 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 But Elvis and Neil and the Colonel continue touring and exposing people to Elvis's unique sound and stage presence. However, not everyone is enthused by Elvis. As Neil recalled, quote, it was almost frightening, the reaction that came to Elvis from the teenage boys. So many of them, through some sort of jealousy, would practically hate him. Uh. There were occasions in some towns in Texas when we'd have to be sure to have a police guard because somebody would always try to take a crack at him. They'd get a gang and try to waylay him or something. End yeah, quote. They were jealous of him, yeah. man. So he was like Justin Bieber uh, <laughs> at that point. You know? That's about right. <laughs> yeah. But aside from the jealous bros, Elvis is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. By November of 54, he wins the most promising male artist at the Country Disc Jockey Convention. This creates a bidding war between record companies. Ultimately, at the end of November, Elvis, advised by Parker and Sun Records uh, Phillips, signs with uh, RCA Victor for a then-record $40,000, roughly half a million dollars in today's money. Okay. All right. He is just 20 years old, and the days of being poor and being mocked and having fruit thrown at him are over. (laughs) But beyond the fat record deal, Colonel Parker sets Elvis up the best for the future when he creates two publishing entities, Elvis Presley Music and Gladys Music, after Elvis's mom, Okay, which makes songwriters forego a third of their customary royalties and give them to Elvis if he performs their composition. So the business of music at this point, and even still now, is if you write your own songs, you get, uh, if it gets used, you get paid out for the, you know, you get the royalties from that. Elvis never wrote his own songs, never wrote a single of his own songs. So Colonel Tom Parker, as much of an asshole as he may have been, 
set Elvis up for success financially for the rest of his life. Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins was on Joe Rogan, uh-huh. and he talked about how when they were signing their first deals, uh, Billy wrote the majority of all the songs, and they took him out to lunch, and they were like, "Hey, the way that we're you know that we sign these deals is that the band gets." If you write the music, you get yeah. one. And if you write the lyrics, you get a percentage of it as well. Yeah. Do you want to split this over everybody or do you want to take this all for you? And he was like, man, I'm keeping it all for me. I wrote the songs. Yeah. And they were like, you probably really want to split it over everybody because it's going to become a point of contention. I of promise you. And he was like, no, fuck that. And he kept it all. And it really became a point of contention. That's one of the reasons Smashing Pumpkins broke up. Oh, really? absolutely. I, I mean, see that. and you, it's the same thing happened with the Smiths with like uh, Morrissey and Johnny Marr. They got all the money. The other guys were broke. Yeah. And then conversely, you look at Wu-Tang who set it up. So everybody got an equal share. And actually any solo albums that anybody put out, the rest of the group got a piece of that, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's why we have like 30 years of Wu-Tang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And guys like, uh, you know, uh, inspected deck are still like thank god <laughs> <laughs> and rihanna named her son after rizza oh yeah rizza i mean rizza could have paid himself way more he pretty much set the whole thing up anyways at this point too elvis drops bob neal and makes colonel parker his full-time manager rca knows they have a hot commodity in elvis and they promote him heavily and parker gets elvis plugged into like national television shows his debut album is dropped nationally on March 23rd, 1955. It is the first rock and roll album to top the Billboard charts and holds that position for 10 weeks. His live shows are gaining some negative attention at this point too, though. The adults are worried that Elvis is making the country's young girls way too horny. <laughs> <laughs> and they have like scenes of this in the movie like where the girls are just like, they're just sitting there calm, but then start freaking out. Yeah, they bust you know? a nut. Like, oh, yeah. shit! <laughs> Following a show in Wisconsin, a local Catholic diocese sends a letter to the FBI's J. Edgar Hoover. It states, quote, Presley is a definite danger to the security of the United States. His actions and motions were such as to rouse the sexual passions of teenage youth. After the show, more than 1,000 teenagers tried to gang into Presley's room at the auditorium. Indications of the harm Presley did just in lacrosse were the two high school girls whose abdomen and thigh Presley had autographed. <laughs> so Elvis might have been the first person to sign titties and That's shit. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. This is where uh, it gets into uh, Elvis the pelvis days. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of you course. know, yeah. where uh, all the papers and stuff started to, you know, try and slam him. They were calling him Elvis the pelvis and they wanted him to stop gyrating them hips. Yeah. And he actually had a really good response to that, too, where he was like, this is the most childish shit I've ever heard in my life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like 20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After an appearance on Milton Berle's show where Elvis really humps the air good and slow, <laughs> the national press freaks the fuck out. Jack Gould of the New York Times wrote, quote, Mr. Presley has no discernible singing ability. His phrasing, if it can be called that, consists of the stereotyped variations that go with a beginner's aria in a bathtub. His one specialty is an accented movement of the body, primarily identified with a repertoire of the blonde bombshells of the burlesque runway. Oh, oh man. wow. And the yeah. burlesque drummer, but yeah. Well, yeah. That's it. All you need is a beat, baby. <laughs> That's right. Ben Gross of the New York Daily News opined uh, that popular music, quote, has reached its lowest depths in the grunt and groin annex of one Elvis Presley. Elvis, who rotates his pelvis gave an exhibition that was suggestive and vulgar, tinged with the kind of animalism that should be confined to dives and bordellos, oh, end quote. man. So they're like... Animalism. Yeah. yeah. He was Elvis str- the pelvis. Elvis is a stripper, baby. 
<laughs> he was the original Magic Mike. He was. He was the first guy. He was. Uh, yeah. He just. The kept girls were actually in love with the stripper. Yeah. And not whoever sang. I'm in song. love with the stripper. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. But the numbers don't lie, and the audience for Elvis's appearance on Milton Berle's show is so absolutely massive that other mainstream shows like the Steve Allen show decide to bring him on. Even Ed Sullivan, who basically swore that he'd never have Elvis on after seeing the legendary hip gyrations and air humping, is forced to invite the young star on for the small sum of $50,000. Oh, wow. Jesus. Another cool half mil for Elvis in today's money. Jeez. Elvis's first appearance on Sullivan's show draws an audience of approximately 60 million viewers, a record wow. 82.6% of the television audience. Oh, my wow. God. Yeah. Wow. Elvis on Ed Sullivan. Yeah. Huh? Only 18% of the country at that point that had TVs didn't see that shit. Wow. I wonder what the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan. I don't I know. know. That was another huge That was a Ed huge Sullivan one show. for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's probably, uh, they're both probably equally famous. Yeah. Yeah. Elvis had three shows with him, and we'll get into this. Rumor has it that Presley was intentionally shot only from the waist up for his Sullivan appearance. Watching clips of Allen and Burl's show with his producer, Sullivan had stated that Presley, quote, got some kind of device hanging down below the crotch of his pants. So when he moves his legs back and forth, you can see the outline of his cock. I think it's a Coke bottle. <laughs> I think it's a Coke bottle. We just can't have this on a Sunday night. <laughs> This is a family show. <laughs> and, it's and fucking hilarious to imagine Ed Sullivan saying cock. <laughs> cock and uh, don't get it twisted with the Coke bottle. It's not your uh, 2023 Coke bottle. It's the uh, 1955 the glass, glass out, bottle. 12 That's ounce it. slim. Rib for her pleasure. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Elvis is just slaying it. They're like, it's like. <laughs> that curved bottle does some damage, baby. <laughs> Buddy. Your score is too low. That person was definitely a giant asshole, and you rated them like they were Justin Bieber. Wouldn't you like to tell us what you think? Well, now you can. Check us out on all of our social media pages and tell us what you think about our scores, shows, and good looks. We'd love to hear what you think. Pucker up, Buttercup. It's back to asshole court. In October of that year, Elvis appears again on The Sullivan Show. After the performance, crowds in Nashville and St. Louis burn him in effigy. Oh, man. Little Elvis puppets, they just light on fire. <laughs> they were fucking pissed. January 6, 1957. Elvis makes his third and final Ed Sullivan appearance, shot from the waist up. Some people claim that this was actually Colonel Parker forcing it to generate controversy and publicity. From one story I heard, Colonel Parker made good money selling I heart Elvis buttons and also I hate Elvis buttons. Oh, yeah. He, he played both sides of the fence on that. Okay. He knew that there was going to be people that hated Elvis. Yeah. And he was like, why are we going to leave their money on the table? Mm -hmm. Like, let's go ahead and take it all. All yeah. of it. Colonel, yeah. uh, Colonel Parker was a definite asshole, but also kind of a business genius oh, when it comes man, to the money man. part. Yeah, no, he absolutely. You I know. mean, even setting Elvis up, who's like, at that point, really wasn't a huge star, setting him up with his own publishing company to sort of like set him up long term is, I mean, Elvis, didn't, thinking. Elvis didn't choose wrong. Yeah. No, he, yeah. Uh, Colonel Tom Parker had a lot of good stuff in place. He just, you know, pulled from the piggy bank way too much and, you know, abused his talent. Yeah. But he had a lot of really good things in place that made a lot of money. Oh, absolutely. And he made himself rich. 100%. Doesn't hurt. A couple days later, after the Sullivan appearance, Elvis pulls a 1A draft card, making him fully eligible and likely to be drafted. Man. While he's waiting to be drafted, Elvis continues touring, and I don't think people 
today actually realized how wild his shows actually were. Yeah, they were a little, they were racy, man. Yeah. At a show in Philly, Villanova students pelt Elvis with eggs. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. And in Vancouver, the crowd riots, rushes the stage after the show and absolutely destroys it. I guess the whole Elvis has left the building announcement was just to get people to fucking chill out and leave, right? Huh. That, no, because after his shows, the crowds would stay for like a long ass time. Yeah. Hoping to just catch a glimpse of him. And that's what they would officially have to do. When he would leave, they'd be like, all right, yep. Elvis has left the building. I remember my- Get eighth, the fuck on. Yeah. yeah. I remember my eighth grade teacher who, when I was in eighth grade, which is, I don't know, 30 years ago, she was old as fuck. And she actually was at an Elvis concert. And she told us, she was like, I remember them saying, Elvis has left the building. Oh, yeah. man. And I was like, oh, damn, you totally masturbated to Elvis. Yep. That, <laughs> night, that night. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, with her uh, yeah i'm not gonna get into detail no no don't do that it's gross towards the end of 57 (laughs) towards the end of 57 elvis does that annoying thing where he records a shitty christmas album for a cash grab unfortunately this is also where he parts ways with his bandmates more in black they resigned when it became clear that elvis was not going to share the wealth and kept them on pretty marginal weekly salaries oh Oh, ouch yeah elvis he, he hired them back and they eventually were like fuck this shit dude I mean, he would have been famous maybe no matter what, but they certainly helped. Yeah. They were there from the beginning with yeah. that. I know. There's no way I wouldn't cut them in on something, man. Right. December 20th, 1957, Elvis receives his draft notice. He's fucking going, bro. Mm-hmm. But he does get a deferment for a few months to wrap up his latest movie, King Creole, a movie about a gator hunter that becomes rich after landing a reality show on the History Channel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know. Uh, I don't have a clue what that movie's about, but it probably sucked balls anyways. So there you go. In the movie, they kind of hinted that at this time, because he wouldn't tone down his shows, that Congress kind of came after him or senators were coming after him. And uh, that is kind of what pushed him into being drafted yeah. is that he w- wouldn't stop swinging his hips. Uh, and they're like, swinging well, we'll take him. Yeah, yeah exactly. Hey, what do we have to do? Like run the country or I don't know, get on this guy for his hip gyrations. Well, see the the way that they portrayed it in the movie was that one of the main senators who was running the charge was uh actually like throwing basically like KKK rallies like, oh, yeah. right down the street. Oh, and man. so he was a, a bridge that they didn't want to happen. That, that all tracks. That makes sense. After filming raps on Swamp People or King Creole or whatever, <laughs> Presley reports to Fort Chaffee in Arkansas on March 24th, 1958, and starts his army career. And the picture of him swearing in is wild. Like, just look at the randos behind Elvis. Like, they're like standing there with their arm up, and you're just like, you're going to absolutely be in a history picture for the rest of yeah. I'm always yeah. wondering like, what did that yeah. guy do there's a nerdy black guy with glasses you know he looks like a bit of a 1950s Steve Urkel <laughs> you know you're like alright anyways uh, Elvis knocks out basic and advanced military training at Fort Hood in Texas while finding time in between to record more music sometimes you know like five or six songs I think but in August of 1958 Elvis gets word that his mother's health has deteriorated Hepatitis, apparently. Mm. Did he he, run home like Forrest? He did. And he rushes home to be by her side. On August 14th, Gladys's health and heart collapse, and she dies. She's just 46. Ooh, 46. Yeah. They they alluded to her having a drinking problem, and when 
ever Elvis was gone, she would drink more. And then once he got sent overseas, that that was kind of like the oh, straw okay. that broke the camel's back. Damn, Damn boys, you only got about four years left in us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to Germany, goddammit, Mikey. Hell no. Anyways, uh, his mom's death seems to mark a shift in Elvis to some extent. He's the original Kanye who loses his bearings after his beloved mother dies. Will Elvis turn into a neo-Nazi? Stay tuned. <laughs> Just kidding. Next on AC Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. He's a weird dude, but definitely doesn't become a Nazi because that wasn't stylish right after <laughs> World War II. Not around then, Nah. When he returns, he's assigned to his unit, a tank battalion in West Germany. And it's here that he finds new friends to help fill the void. Amphetamines and karate. <laughs> nice. Nice. I don't know any German karate guys, but I'm trying to think of one. I guess it would be uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme's. He went to Belgium. There you uh, okay, go. Yeah, close there you enough. Go. And when Elvis meets amphetamines, he becomes, quote, practically evangelical about their benefits. <laughs> End quote. Imagine a keyed up Elvis doing karate chops and kicks in, of a, in front of a mirror in his barracks because that definitely happened a few times. He's fucking tuned up on fucking amphetamines and he's like, yeah, 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 with his fucking shirt off and shit, flexing those pecs. Like Mark Wahlberg and um, oh, 100%. And Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights, yeah. yeah. You're a fucking star. You're a fucking star. <laughs> Thus begins the battle between Elvis's love of food and drugs versus Elvis's heart. <laughs> Who will bing, triumph? Bing, bing. <laughs> Who will triumph? Tune in and find out. Yeah, that's right. Let's get ready to <laughs> rumble. Anyway, as a soldier, Elvis apparently wanted no special treatment, apparently. He just wanted to be a normal dude, and he uh, proved to be like incredibly generous. He donated his army pay to charity, purchased television sets for the base, and bought an extra set of fatigues for everyone in his outfit. Nice. He makes sergeant in February of 1960. So that's good. Yeah, absolutely. The bad is, while stationed in Germany, he meets Priscilla Beaulieu and begins courting her. Trouble is, Elvis is 24 and Priscilla is 14. No. Bro. Yeah, hold that thought, though, because I think that that prom experience ruined Elvis and he was stuck trying to salvage it with another 14-year-old. But I am not a trained psychologist, so don't listen to me at all. Damn, 14 when 24? Yeah, and you like, know, think if, about like the uh, like all the women that are being thrown at him that are tossing themselves oh, yeah. at him, and he's like going for the fourteen year old. You know, a ten year age gap isn't that bad if one's thirty five and one's forty five. Correct, but twenty four and fourteen, oh. jailbait. The rule of thumb for age dating is that you divide your age in half and you add seven, and that is the the okay. the bare minimum. The, the, that's the bottom level, the baseline. Right. So being forty one, let's call it forty. Forty. 27, 27 would be the, the like yeah I'm the dating bottom. I'm dating under 20 and actually that's a pretty good rule of thumb I'm like it would be weird to be for me to be dating like a 22 year old yeah because yeah, they talk about that like what is Leo really talking to all these 19 year old chicks about uh, yeah it's a real that yeah. one just keeps getting weirder yeah yeah they're legal yeah Carry at least on. they're legal they are but it's still strange when you're like 47 it's another and he just keeps dropping and you them. know he's like <laughs> highly intelligent like he's super uh, smart like well he could talk about all kinds of yeah stuff. With the, the odd thing with leo is that he literally drops him when they hit a certain age every 25. single 25 yeah, yeah every single one drops he yeah. has he has a type they're young yeah. yeah but legal so anyways priscilla recalls when elvis first met her that he said wow you're just a baby oh double gross oh Priscilla also recalled that Elvis was very worried about being forgotten career-wise while he served his time in the Army. 
1960, Elvis receives an honorable discharge and re-enters the fray of celebrity. He drops two albums almost immediately. Stuck on You, which is a single. Sure. And Elvis is Back, a full album. And they're both massive hits. Elvis is Back has the unfortunately titled tracks, contextually speaking, of Soldier Boy and Like a Baby. Ooh. Triple gross. Yeah. On May 12th, he reappears on television for the first time since leaving for the Army. He's booked for the Frank Sinatra Timex show, which is interesting considering that Frank Sinatra had basically said that he hated Elvis mm. just a couple years earlier. Really? Yeah. Was that like uh, like the old guard hating on the of new course. people coming in? The yeah, Brat Pack? Because yeah. those guys were what? Er, like late 40s, right? Or yeah, I mean, they were Sinatra, right the same time. Sinatra was, a, was the same thing. He was a total heartthrob in the early 40s and had chicks throwing panties at him and shit like that. And actually, Elvis had like a really... Uh, diplomatic response when he heard the shit that, that Sinatra said, which was really shitty. And he was like, well, he, I respect him and he's got his right to his opinion. But at the end of the day, he was like, he was doing the same thing I was. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that's all it is. It's, it's the old guard doesn't want to give up, you know, any kind of leverage in yeah, a sense. That's right. But in 1960, he shows up for the Frank Sinatra Timex show, which shows sort of where Frank Sinatra was at when he's doing a show sponsored by like Timex. Yeah. It's like, yeah. You know, I don't know, Justin Bieber's Pizza Hut special. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Either way, Colonel Parker works a mind-blowing deal for Elvis for this show. $125,000 for eight minutes of singing. Roughly $1.3 million in today's money or about $9.5 million an hour of wage. Wow. Wow. That's like, yeah, like $100,000 a minute or something like that. Something like that. I don't know. No, that doesn't track. Uh, who knows? It's a f- crazy what? amount of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money. <laughs> You're making more money in a fucking minute than I make in a year. That's for Jesus. sure. Even back then. But around this time, Colonel Parker also shifts Elvis' focus from music to movies. Throughout the 1960s, Elvis makes movie after movie after movie. Almost all are musical comedies. Stuff like Viva Las Vegas and Blue Hawaii and Elvis is Horny, Where the Teenager's At. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis wants to take on more serious roles, but the two efforts he makes get swatted down by critics, and he tucks tail and runs back to the money. I would, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, just know where your bread's buttered. Of course. That's all yeah. right. It's yeah. okay. Like, it's okay not to be great at everything, dude. It's true. Like, But, see, that's what sucks is that he had his heart set on the acting. I get it, but God damn it. Like, leave some for somebody else. Yeah. Okay. You, you fuck, leave some your crumbs Elvis. on the table. Yeah, you're Elvis on the yeah. music side. Like, Get paid, homie. There you go. Leave Humphrey Bogart his room. I mean, I feel like I would like some level of artistic integrity, but I would absolutely sell out. Oh, me too. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? We all would. Yeah. Very quickly, just to real. let all y'all know. That's right. That's true. But uh, Elvis goes back to, you know, stupid musical comedies, movies like Is My Heart Broken or Is This Cardiac Arrest? A movie about Elvis's love of fried food and amphetamines. <laughs> Which I also don't understand. I was literally thinking, I haven't heard of that one. I know. I, I, that's, that's me. That's and, me. I, and I don't understand. What's the fried banana sandwich oh what? we're getting to the sandwich game here shortly okay i just okay you just hang in there sure. buddy want to make sure we get to that you hang in there because i absolutely will talk about his fried sandwiches okay perfect while his romantic comedies are constantly panned by critics critic andrew kane dismissed them as a pantheon of bad taste for instance they are always profitable until they weren't by the late 60s, with the cultural shift of rockabilly greasers to stinky hippies, Elvis has become old news. 
1967, Elvis's movie Clambake and the corresponding soundtrack Bomb. Mm, Clambake? Yes. Okay. The plot of the movie can't help. It's basically a retelling of The Prince and the Pauper, but in this case, Elvis is the son of a Texas oil millionaire who goes to Florida to find himself and escape the pressures of being the son of a ridiculously rich dude. I know, that's really tough. Yes. In Florida, he meets a water ski instructor and they swap lives. Oh my God. Hilarity ensues. I watched the trailer on uh, YouTube this morning, and I'm serious when I say that it makes Dolly Parton and Sylvester Stallone's rhinestone look like <laughs> Citizen Kane. God damn, it is embarrassing, dude. Hollywood did my boy wrong, and Elvis's face is getting a little pudgy and shiny at this point. Dude, it sounds like an Olsen twins movie, oh, like where they swap spots. I know? may, yeah. I may, pref- nah. I wouldn't rather watch Olsen Twins movie. It's, but it's, it's really fucking bad. He's water skiing. He's jet boat racing. He's doing all this shit. And it's obvious that he's got a screen behind him and they're like splashing water on his face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's sitting there like they're water skiing with his girlfriend. And he has like a, it looks like a jacket on. I don't, I don't know. Is this like the precursor for the Henry Winkler jumping the shark scene? It is. And also they have like musical numbers or whatever. And it's totally like beach blanket bingo yeah. where they're like, dance, dance. Elvis realizes that he's a fucking has-been at this point, and he becomes depressed. It's also around this time that his only child, Lisa Marie, is born. Perhaps inspired by the birth of a girl that would go on to be a Scientologist and marry Michael Jackson and three other dudes, Elvis makes the attempt to regain his artistic integrity. He works with Colonel Tom Parker to get a television spot where he'll do a live performance, like the first one in years. Colonel Parker, being the fucking hack that he is, wants it to be a series of Christmas songs because mm, it course. airs in December. Thankfully, it isn't. Instead, the audience is treated to Elvis in gangster-ass black leather. Oh, is this the 68 That's show? right. All right, yep. Belting out songs and performing like it's 1958 instead of 1968. Only now, he's starting to incorporate those wild-ass arm swings and borderline karate movements that would become so synonymous with Fat Elvis performances of the 1970s. Hell yeah. Oh yeah, Kung Fu Elvis. I, I watched it. one and he was yeah. That's when he's like really uh-huh. doing the. Yeah, I was like, I was I like, love that totally shit. different. The legs aren't moving. Not anymore. <laughs> the arms are. We moved all the way arm. to the top of oh, the yeah. body. Everything yeah. from the waist up. Oh yeah, at this you point. can. Yeah, you can see it. And, and Randy's totally right. You can see the. the he has one ring. The ring. It's a kind yeah. of a gaudy ring. But by the time he hits Fat Elvis, it's like you know. That dude, like a, a guy that's trying to make it in the rap world and spends all of his extra cash on jewelry. And it was, it's a huge hit. And although the show is titled Elvis, it would eventually become known as the Comeback Special. The show that reminded everyone that Elvis was a legendary performer and not just some schmuck churning out shitty movies and limp soundtracks. And see, this is a lot of the uh, tension you have between Elvis and Colonel Tom Parker is that the colonel's pushing for one sound and Elvis is bucking them. And there's just like this constant like a uh, power grab between the two of them okay. that kind of just persists throughout their entire, yeah. uh, the, the, the entire relationship. Their relationship. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, like I said, Colonel Tom Parker set him up, but around this, I mean the sixties, they call it uh lost in Hollywood period. And he definitely fucked Elvis up a little bit on that. I mean, he made a ton of money, but he had to like climb back from the depths of hell to get back like uh, any sort of artistic integrity. And he fucking nails it though. That 1968 show is incredible. Yep. If you haven't watched it, I would recommend it. I mean, even if you don't really go on like, YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Google 100% it. good shit on there. I mean, there was one review that was talking about like, Oh man, he's, he's so, uh, tan. Like, 
Well, it's very tan. tan. Yeah. yeah. He's so like, just uh, like energetic and charismatic. They were like, Jim Morrison has to be hating this. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. sure. Trouble is that it's also around this time that Elvis adds a member to his famously large entourage, Dr. George Nicopolis. Dr. Nicopolis is known as Dr. Nick. Yes. Just like that infamous quack doctor from The Simpsons. Hi, everybody. Hi, Dr. Nick. Dr. Nick is uh, what is known as a Dr. Feelgood, meaning that his prescriptive approach to medicine is to give whatever drugs his patient is asking for. And Elvis wanted a lot of drugs. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. Thus begins the downward spiral of Elvis. And to many, his 1968 comeback special is effectively a swan song of Elvis before morphing into fat Elvis and making a spectacle of himself. Because although Elvis continued to have success in music and landed a highly paid standing gig in Las Vegas, his eccentricities are overtaking him. Elvis loves guns, and he loves law enforcement. Loves it so much that he likes pretending that he's a cop. <laughs> he joined Steven Seagal. It's true. There's a lot of parallels here. For real, one of his favorite pastimes was to attach a police siren to his car and pull over a speeding motorist pretending to be an officer of the law. <laughs> this is true. Man, could you imagine like my grandpa got pulled over by Elvis? What? Yeah. What, yeah. dude? Swear to God, he told us one time at the family reunion that Elvis pulled him yeah. over. In 100%. Memphis, like, he's got like a picture. A cop, yeah. Like, it was fucked up. He didn't know what to do. He, he got a ticket, but he'd have to pay it. Yeah. It was weird. It was it's made true. out to Elvis Presley uh, Productions. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, after lecturing the unsuspecting drivers about the dangers of speeding, he would present them with an autograph rather than a fine and let them go on his <laughs> nice. way. Nice. Fucking weird as hell. Can you imagine? I mean, seriously, like. The, and, and, it sounds like some like Duck Dynasty shit. Or it is. Like, yeah. Or, yeah. Some Rick, or like oh. something Ric Flair would do or something. Dude, this stage of his career, Elvis would have absolutely had a fucking reality show. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's also letting his appetite spiral out of control. Dude was notorious for having always loved fried foods. You know, the fried peanut butter and banana sandwich that is admittedly awesome as fuck. Okay, what is a fried peanut butter and banana sandwich? Y'all ready? Yeah, all right, go ahead, Randy. All right, so two pieces of bread, butter on one side, peanut butter on the other. Oh, wow. I don't do that when I do butter on both sides. Oh, you do? What? Oh, okay. Yeah, so butter on oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah. B- butter on the outside. The ones that are in contact with the pan. Pan. Yes. Yeah. It's butter. And the ones on the inside is peanut butter with a sliced banana in between. You do it just like a grilled this cheese. This is a grilled cheese. Yeah, yeah but with peanut butter. That's, that's yeah. It okay. It really is. So when you hear fried, you're thinking you're deep frying That's it. what I was picturing I know. in my head. And Elvis may have done that, but. You know, no, generally speaking, it's the grilled cheese, but that, with peanut butter. That yeah. was the sandwich, was yeah. that. Yeah. And it is yeah. really Pan fucking fried. good, honestly. Oh a good, my God. yeah. Oh, now I've got to try that. Oh, you have my, to. My, my head this whole time, I've been picturing like the bananas deep fried one or something. My, one and of my favorite or, like go-tos is I just, I don't fry it, but I toast the bread. And when it's hot, put the peanut butter on it with some like strawberry preserves. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, a toasted the, the, PB&J. Yeah. And the, the peanut butter kind of melts because yeah. the hot bread. Oh. What's great yeah. with the fried peanut butter and banana sandwiches, the banana caramelizes a little yep. bit if you get it right, oh, and it man. really gets good. Yeah. Man, now I'm really intrigued. I you need try to. One of these. You could like, almost like get the bread going, because the way I do grilled cheese mm-hmm. is I put, I just do throw butter in the pan, and then I throw a piece of bread on the butter, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. then I build it. 
while the first piece is, is cooking. It's oh, so easy to do. I do a okay, smear so you, on both sides. Oh, well, then you get smear, butter all over yes. your hands, right? Well, no, Why no, no. I don't, I don't, you, I don't, I don't bread but, it with my, I don't, I no, use a I, butter knife. Of course, but then how do you pick it up and put it in the pan? Well, so what I do, honestly, is I butter both sides and I leave them on a plate that are, are butter up. And then I drop one so into the pan. Like I do. Yeah, and but I don't. But the, we but smear. Put, we smear instead of just melting it in the pan and then putting it on top. I yeah. see both sides. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's all That's good. That's it. Yeah. But, but I mean, yeah, same thing. I mean, like I said, either way, it's a good fucking sandwich. Yes, I don't it blame is. Them. But yeah. yeah, now I want to try the peanut butter fried peanut butter sandwich where I never wanted to try it before. Yeah. So yeah, thanks, Randy. But uh, also, just to put a fine example of Elvis's love for unhealthy food, let's talk about the Fool's Gold Loaf. Have either of you ever heard of the sandwich? No. No, not at all. Fool's Gold Loaf? Here's the recipe. The Fool's Gold Loaf is a loaf of French white bread that is covered in two tablespoons of margarine and baked in the oven at 350 degrees Fahrenheit until brown. One pound of sliced bacon is fried in oil until crisp and drained. The loaf is sliced lengthwise, hollowed out, and filled with a jar of peanut butter, a jar of grape jelly, and that pound of fucking bacon. Holy fucking shit. Oh my god. A pound of bacon and j- one sh- and one sandwich and a jar of peanut butter and, and a jar, a jar of, of jelly in a already yeah. This is holy some deep crap. Shit. Some deep shit. Man. According wow. to, <laughs> according to lore and a book, Elvis and his friends took his private jet from Graceland, went to Denver because this is where they served the sandwich initially purchased 22 of the sandwiches and spent two hours eating them and drinking Perrier and champagne before flying home. <laughs> that is a combination of wealth. <laughs> that is a combination of wealth and gluttony that deserves the mention. For yeah, sure. I, I'm kind of jealous of that. Dude, like, boys, if we ever strike it rich with this. Yeah. We might do something like that. Dude, we, we will fly yeah. to Denver, get fucking ripped, and you too, Mikey, yes. I and if we get a if we get private jet rich from the show, I will suck both of your dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Even better than a fried peanut butter and banana yeah. sandwich. I will. We'll film it everything. If we get private Patreon jet rich, content, boys. <laughs> yeah, all we need is uh, I don't know, like I don't know, um, maybe six people that are the million dollar contributors. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, while he's eating all of this shockingly unhealthy food, Elvis in, is uh, ingesting a shocking amount of drugs. He abused antihistamines, tranquilizers such as Valium, barbiturates, quaaludes, sleeping pills, hormones, and opiates. Damn. So. Many opiates. Man, Dr. Nick is bringing the party. Yeah. Which is interesting because outwardly, Elvis hated drugs. And he tied that public hate of drugs with his cop fetishization into the weirdest meeting of all time. On December 21st, 1970, Presley engineered a meeting with U.S. President Richard Nixon at the White House where he expressed his patriotism and explained how he believed he could reach out to the hippies to help combat the drug culture he and the president abhorred. Nice. He asked Nixon for a Bureau of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs badge to add to a similar collection he had begun collecting and to signify official sanctions of his patriotic efforts. This is very Steven, Steven Seagal-like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah very yeah, Steven yeah. Seagal-like. Yeah. 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 Even Nixon left that meeting going, what the fuck, man? <laughs> Elvis wants a fake badge? Yeah. Yeah, this is weird. Yeah, there's a picture of it and everything. It's weird. The thing was, as so often happens to people... They think of drugs only in the context of legality. If Dr. Nick prescribes it, it isn't drugs. It's medicine. 
which is stupid as fuck. But it being <laughs> the 70s and the public education on prescription opiate abuse and addiction uh, wasn't prevalent or even really existent at that point. Now, were the drugs as strong as they are today? Absolutely. Oh, right. yeah, they're for so sure. Like, they're medical. You can, you can, I mean, that's the thing is it's not like street so like drugs. Xanax. Like if, Absolutely the same. Always the wow. same. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. In the movie, they kind of like showed that a little bit. They showed him like getting really pissed off at his mom for drinking, but then would be like, hey, uh, send Dr. Nick on up. I need yeah. to holler at him. Yeah, but it's it's that's Doctor Nick have the drugs or were he just writing the he could prescribe they'd, them? They'd go to the so pharmacy. Or, and, but Doctor Nick was almost in the same way that uh, what was the doctor with um, Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson at yeah. the yeah. end? Same Malcolm, thing. Whatever his name was, I don't even remember. Yeah. So I think that Malcolm it was Jamal Warner. That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Cosby Show. I put, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I think they had basically like just a, a tote of drugs that he they had something to carry with. with them but honestly like i said it's I, I deal with it at work all the time we have patients that are what we call they we call them drug seekers yeah you know what they're coming there yeah. for yeah and they're always like my pain level is at 11 and you're like well you literally we just we just, you walked in here yeah we're like we just did a physical on you i don't understand <laughs> um so and then we actually we just have to refer them out to what's called pain management because which is it, pill it, clinics yeah well no for us it's not it's 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 within the hospital we work with which is trying to like contain them you know, but a lot of these people will go find places like down in Florida hey, and shit. You can't stop them. You can only contain them. That's right. That's correct. <laughs> Around this time, Elvis's marriage to Priscilla is falling apart as well. They're barely living together, and Elvis is most definitely fucking on the side. In 1971, his side piece, Joyce Boba, fucks up and gets pregnant. Oh. Yeah, that's a no-go. So Joyce has an abortion. In 71, that's uh, pretty difficult. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, yeah. it's pre-Roe yeah. versus Wade. So. Yeah. yeah. Since but, my baby left yeah. me. Well, you got... Uh, oh, that's dark as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it took a second for it to register. All right. I'll give you credit for a, some wow. dark humor. Yeah. Uh, Y'all also, ready for that one yeah, yet. Yeah, no. Elvis, though, had, that, had the Elvis money, so he could send her over to Europe and shit like that's that, right. so I'm sure. How fucked up is that? He puts her on the Lisa Marie to go over to Europe to have an, to abortion. Have an abortion. Ooh. Didn't think about that one. Yeah. Well, I don't know if, <laughs> if he sent her to Europe. I don't know if they have, but if it did, I mean, you know, whatever. Meanwhile, Priscilla uh, isn't not catching some dick on the side. Ah, oh, no. She's really? uh doing yeah, her thing on the side. Right. When... In early 1972, she admits to Elvis that she's been catching rides on the D train of, no joke, a karate instructor named Mike Stone. <laughs> Elvis tells her that, although it makes him sad, he understands and is sorry that he's been cheating too. Just kidding. He rapes her. Oh, well, no. Seriously? Priscilla related that when she told him, Presley, quote, grabbed and forcefully made love to me. Uh, declaring, quote, this is how a real man makes love to his woman, end quote. Oh. You know, Mike Stone had a brother that was in commercials later, uh, Keith Stone. Keith Stone, that's right, from uh, Keystone. Keystone Light, yeah. yeah. yeah those are good commercials. Yep. Nice mullet and everything. Yeah, but damn it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm still reeling on the rape over here, Randy. Yeah, force, Sorry. Yeah, forceful rape. <laughs> <laughs> Randy drops the Keystone Light commercial after a rape joke. Or not even a rape joke, but a rape explanation. But although, to be fair, Priscilla would later say that she had overstated the incident and regretted it. But who, like, knows what really took place at night? It's not a great look either way. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, when you break it down, it seems like she was almost using that to try and get at him, in a sense, to try and make him, like... I'm out here on the side, but then he turns around and forcibly grabs her and yeah. like, yeah, With that's karate instructor up. Mike Stone. Yeah, that's all S fucked was up. Was it just Mike Stone? 
I don't know. That's all the one that's that's all I've read about. There, the there, there were probably other ones. On the flip side, how many times did he cheat on her? Oh, yeah. All you time. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not like she was just out here on her own. No, I mean, if you're cheating and your wife is cheating, like it's a fucking draw. <laughs> you got to yeah. let it go, dude. <laughs> it's like, what? I, how can you be mad about that? Right. Shit? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Exactly. It's a draw at that point. Either way, Elvis doesn't ever really recover from the disillusion of his marriage, and he falls deeper into a spiral of drugs and fried foods. By the mid to late 70s, Fat Elvis is fully formed. He's obviously in horrible shape. Not just fat, he seems to exist in a clammy, cold sweat. It's shocking, considering how handsome he was as a young man. New Fat Elvis is a caricature, wearing those crazy caped and bedazzled white jumpsuits. Look, man, back up off Fat now, Elvis. Now, b- b- dude, we, he totally looks like a Six Flags caricature of himself at this point. Before we got in the show, Randy was watching the Fat Elvis and was like unprovoked commented on how much he loved his outfit. Fuck yeah. Y'all, and I literally y'all, told him I was like you're going to hate the show tonight. Well, dude, y'all YouTube the uh, Unchained Melodies of Elvis Live. It's Fat Elvis. That's oh, a banger. He's, he's wearing great. that big white coat yeah, with the, the like It's a big like sand, metal on sand, the back no, or something. Sun. They're called they're called nudie suits. That's true. I loved them. I fucking loved them. I wish I had that jacket, and I wish I could wear stuff like that today. Yeah, because I you would. Know, we're thinking about getting Randy an AHC podcast version jacket. Yeah. Of this. Oh man, I'd wear it to a podcast movement in Denver. That's right. That's right. That's right. Like and a uh, costume. I mean, honestly, I'll chip in a little bit on this one. Maybe <laughs> I think you'll fucking take it off before you get off the plane. <laughs> if we get it funded and we get an Elvis suit bought for me, I'd wear it today. What if we get one from like Spirit though? It's like real shitty. And nah, thin. nah, it's got to be pretty. Well, like you're smuggling grapes, up right? In that bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I probably would pad my crotch. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, the Coke a bottle. Coke bottle. That's right. And see that cock, baby. I I would go with just a dildo to make it. <laughs> Very 2023. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, you can see the veins in that thing in the outline. Yeah, that's right. Of that spirit costume. That's right. All right. Interestingly enough, I found out that those suits weighed a fucking ton. When he first started wearing his... That's like, why he sweated. That's what I'm saying. Give him a break, dude. The suits were hot. He had the lights of, were hot. The lights were hot. He had a lot of hair. Yeah, but a, I, a little I, overweight. Like but, fuck that. Like I've seen, right, I've seen pictures. Sweaty part. I've seen know? pictures of him just like chilling, and he also looks like a like a greased pig again, just <laughs> chilling. What under Hollywood lights? Lots of hair. No, no, no. Like oh, in his backyard, like, like in the swimming pool. It's so humid outside. <laughs> Do you know how humid Memphis is? I went outside to grill tonight. Sweat my ass off. Very humid in Atlanta. It's Randy, humid. Randy will always be team fat. He's like, That's fuck right. that shit. That's right. Humidity, motherfuckers. Yeah, it makes us sweat. Anyway, I found out like I said that these <laughs> these suits weighed a fucking ton. When he first started wearing his iconic jumpsuits in the early seventies, they were said to have weighed around twenty five to thirty pounds each. Jesus. And wow. the later years, as they became more intricate with embroidery and jewels, some weighed in at almost seventy five pounds. God Jeez, damn it, that's awesome, man. I wish I had a seventy if I can get <laughs> AHC Nation to buy me a thirty to forty thirty to sixty pound Elvis suit, I'll wear the shit out of it. You be careful. I will pay money for this myself. <laughs> it's gotta fit me. It's got to fit me, and uh, it's got to be. Yeah, I'm gonna be dazzled the shit out of that shit myself. <laughs> what would I, I would just wear like my sunglasses, or yeah. would y'all get me a wig? Oh, you got to get the gold sunglasses to go along yeah. with would it. Would y'all get me a wig? No, I don't no. like wigs. Yeah, no. this isn't about the wigs. No. your hair. Cool. Actually, what's funny is so, like I said, they were called nudie suits. There was a guy that designed these suits. His last name was Nudie, and there was um, at this point everybody that was like a country star or whatever 
uh, was wearing them. They were like cool. The honky tonk man from yeah, WWF. Exactly. That's where it comes from. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but there was a, a dude named Graham Parsons who was like yep. sort of uh, alternative country at the point. And he had a nudie suit, which was pretty wild because it was like 1969. He also died of a heroin overdose. So this makes more sense. Um, <laughs> but he uh, on the back of his nudie suit had a giant pot leaf and there was pills everywhere and like cactuses. Huh. So great. And also, I'm a big fan of Graham Parsons. Uh, so. So when I think of nudie suits, I always think of the Britney Spears like VMA or MTV music award where she came out like where it looked like she was wearing oh, like like yeah. a nude but this like, is different because it's not a nude suit <laughs> it's a the guy the, the guy that designed him his last name was nudie huh. which is what it is like gucci yeah, yeah. Gucci, yeah. yeah. gucci 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 yeah but for real, a 75 pound suit is gonna fuck your day up i don't care who you are and as an unhealthy fat guy with a penchant for drugs and fried foods the extra weight of those ridiculous suits couldn't have helped in 1977, the drugs have really taken their toll for multiple reasons besides the obvious. Opiates, in case you aren't aware, have a tendency to constipate to an extreme level. And on August 16th of that year, Elvis is perched on the toilet and struggling mightily to snap an overindulgent log off. Fried peanut butter sandwiches and a bucket full of opiates are a worthy opponent to regularity after all. Elvis strains so goddamn hard that he has a heart attack and kills over, face first, his ass in the air, possibly, with a mighty opioid and peanut butter tree stump emanating from the king of rock and roll's butt cheeks. Oh, Damn, man. That's not how the I like to envision it. peanut stump. Oh. An embarrassing and unfitting end to such a glamorous life. I prefer to think of him sitting there taking a shit and reading a magazine and just having a heart attack. Reading Reader's Digest. Yeah. He was taking a shit, and they, she, his girlfriend at the time found him face first. So his butt was probably in the air because... I mean, Priscilla his physics, wasn't there. No, no they were divorced. She was, yeah, yeah. Gone. yeah. yeah. And, and, and yeah, he and, just and, toppled over at that point. So yeah, that's ass in the air. Yeah, like I said uh, tree stumping with a mighty opioid and peanut butter tree stump emanating from his ass cheeks. Ugh. Damn man, not the way to go. <laughs> you know, that was like one of my favorite jokes I wrote, and you guys are sad about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is solid. <laughs> Hell yeah, solid like that turd he took, man. Anyways, yeah, everyone's like bummed. They're like, no, I don't. I don't want to well, picture Elvis, Elvis with the Lincoln log out of his butt. <laughs> and at the end died. of the day, we yeah. just talked about him raving his wife. I mean, <laughs> come on, let's give him a little, little credit here. Yeah. A little, little doo doo out of the butt cheeks. Yeah, okay. Upon the news of Elvis's death, the whole world mourns collectively, and conspiracies about him faking his death take hold in public conversation. As of today, his home, Graceland, is the second most visited home in America. Only the White House gets more. Oh, wow. And his estate continues to generate tens of millions of dollars every year wow. as the iconic status of the young, shy kid from Tupelo turned entertainment legend only grows. Mm. And that is Elvis Aaron Presley. Final scores, boys. Wow. Nice. I did uh, hear an interesting fact where, um, so towards the end where he was doing a lot of his stints in Vegas, um, he was trying to break away and like do like world tours because he had never really left the United States. He never did. And that's actually the way that they hinted to it out in the movie was that Colonel Tom Parker uh, was actually like a, an illegal alien and never had a passport. So he never wanted to go overseas. To go Where did overseas. he come from? Where was he from? Like Austria or something? Like that? <laughs> That's fucking wild. Why do they call him Colonel? I thought he was a Colonel in the military. No, no he's like, he's like Colonel Sanders. It was like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's him. That's him overcompensating. Yeah, so it's like night train. Yeah, it so, is. So yeah. if I just yeah. call he, myself night train, train was his colonel. Yeah. Yeah. Polar Colonel Express. was his night train. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's why, because that's totally overcompensating. Yeah. So weird. All right, man. I don't know much about Tom Parker, but holy shit. Yeah. So, like, he throttled a lot of. Tom Parker definitely wasn't his name either. Right. He picked the most, like, American white bread name ever. His name was, like, Klaus. Yeah. (laughs) Klaus Stanislav. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So, uh, but anyway, so uh, he kept on throttling him and he had a big gambling addiction. So he was always in the red with a lot of the casinos there in Vegas. And so he had to just keep Elvis performing in a sense. But one of the he did create, I think, one of the first satellite concerts ever. It was Elvis in uh, it was uh, Elvis in Elvis in Elvis Hawaii. Elvis in Hawaii. Yeah, it was yeah. Aloha, something like that. And it yep. was yeah, broadcast worldwide. Yep. One. Point, I've actually seen it. One point five billion people turned, tuned in to this. It's like the most turned out thing that people have ever watched. That is turned ever. out. Wow, like 1. that's like one billion. That's like one seventh or like one sixth of the world population yeah. at the time. Even then, yeah, I was about to say then was probably even one sixth oh, or yeah. something no, like that. No, 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 because we have about seven billion now. Yeah, and it was in, in 1990. Then. We were like right at five billion. Okay, yeah. So, so yeah, 1973. Like, you're probably that's yeah. like quarterly people almost, on Earth. It's a third of the people yeah. on Earth at least. That's insane. Yeah. You know, so I mean, that's how big of a star this guy was. Yeah, in a sense. But yeah, no, that's crazy. That is. All right, so yeah, uh, let's get into final scores. Randy, what you got on Elvis? All right, uh, still a fan of Fat Elvis. He was my favorite. I did like Karate Chops. And Remember they did the poster stamp? At one point, yeah, they, they gave us yeah. a choice. They're like, do you want young Elvis or Fat Elvis? Oh, everybody oh, Randy's chose picking young Elvis. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. Randy. I know. Fat well, Elvis is my favorite. It's okay. I like Young Elvis too. Don't get me wrong. Like the guy was awesome. I kind of. I mean, honestly, it's kind of mind blowing how handsome that motherfucker was Man, when he was young. He was God. so gifted. Like we were watching those videos of Elvis performing earlier, and one of the comments was, "God was showing off when he made Elvis Presley." Yeah, yeah. you know. I yeah, mean, his, yeah. his yeah. fucking hair is just Dude, incredible. The hair, the face. The, oh, you know, me and Randy are fucking. Jealous. crying yeah. over his hair the way he kind of moved like all of it man he was the he was the total package like yeah dude sure was, i mean he very, was the rick flair of his generation that's right easy to be jealous of you know it does kind of suck i honestly i it really kind of does piss me off that he didn't pay his bandmates man yeah out of yeah. all the things we talked about today that the fact that he didn't keep those around him paid mm-hmm. that that bothers me man yeah fuck that that's, the people that came up with you. That's so, like, anti-Randy, right? Yeah, that, sure. That's how I roll, man. If you're, like, loyal, you're loyal. If you're not, you're out, you know? But, sure. And if we get paid, we're all going to get paid. Yeah. You know? And if he's making the kind of bank that he did and those yeah. guys wind up fucking quitting, eh, it kind of rubs me the wrong way. The whole sure. rough sex with Lisa Marie, that's kind of, or uh, yeah. Priscilla. I think rough sex is a... Uh, a rape? Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's, call Let's call it a spade and, a spade. If it happened, yeah. it's yeah. a legend. Yeah. And you can rape your spouse. You, you know? can, but actually at this time, there was actually a law that you legally couldn't rape your spouse. And and, and it kind of goes back with like what's acceptable of the times. We've yeah. covered a lot of subjects in our show from a long time ago where if you were 24, you could fuck a 14-year-old, right? <laughs> How yeah. fucked up is that? Yeah, yeah. super fucked up. But, but that it was, was par for the course the time, at the time, right? Yeah. So, I mean, was he a pedophile like today's standards? Yeah, but those standards, no. Yeah. Know? So I'm not going to But like, there's something wrong with them in a sense when you're a 24-year-old going for a 14-year-old. But if that's what society has deemed okay. It's, I mean, it's true. I don't, but if you're swimming still, in those you, waters, it's still, uh, again... It's murky. We always talk about this on shows like when we're talking about Andrew Jackson being a man of his times. It's still gross and weird. Yeah. Because I'm like, you have access to anything you want. Oh, no and doubt. And that's what you go for. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah no, but, but, sure. but, 
you know, if it happened now, then the guy would be in prison. Yeah. But at the time, it was, it was fairly standard almost. Uh, I know, it's gross. Yeah. It's gross. So, you know, I guess my final score, I am going to tick it up a little bit. I don't like the fact he didn't pay his band members, um, but I do. I love Fat Elvis. Um, I don't like the whole rape with the wife. It's, uh, it's just weird. <laughs> it's an understatement. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a big it, fan it, of that rape with the wife. Not a fan of the rape with the wife type but deal. But we also don't... She even pulled it back a little bit, too, so yeah. I don't know what the... What I, the true story is, yeah. right? So, honestly, I'm looking at our scale. I'm going to throw Elvis Presley at a 4.82. 4.82 okay. is my final score for Elvis, just below Ty Cobb. Okay. All yeah. right. Elvis was not as much of an asshole as Ty Cobb. No, we definitely. Well, also that score with Ty Cobb. Is Very different. Yeah, we're at a different yeah. point than we were at with Ty Cobb. Ty at Cobb's show one, show number one. That's we're gonna right. take yeah. that. We're gonna take that score then, run with it. Now, buddy, what do you got on Elvis the rapist? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, Elvis the pelvis. Um, for me, I think this is just another. You know, and we've talked about it over many of the shows. It's just another person that was incredibly talented that got thrown into you know Hollywood more or less in a sense where you know. Music, movies, stuff like that. He got thrown into Hollywood or into fame and, um, yeah, definitely lost himself in the process. And from what I saw from the movie, it seemed like Colonel Tom Parker was one of the people that just basically kept him perpetuated in the cycle. And he tried to leave him multiple times and just was constantly manipulated by him in the process. So, you know, to me, in all of this, it seemed like Elvis was more of like a, you know, a good old country boy, a mm-hmm. mama's boy at the end of the day. Yeah, he might have fucked her. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to pretend like he didn't. Well, we don't know. I if pretended that in my score, too. Yeah, I'm going to be. Yeah, I'm going with There's the, no confirmation one way or another. I, I think that he was more. In it's, my a mind, it's a non-zero <laughs> chance. It's a non-zero chance. Let's just be honest. I'm going to say he didn't. Okay. I'm going to say that he was heavily influenced by her and was, like Randy alluded to, was more of like a, um, was treated more like family in a sense, but yeah. just went through some tough times together. So Trauma they were little, bond. Trauma right. bonded. Yeah. Uh, family style. More so than. <laughs> oh, family God. style. Since my baby left me. Oh, there goes Randy again. All right. He's been singing Elvis all night. Man. Yeah, a lot of it got edited out. You guys are lucky. So, but for me, I I think that he was more just a very talented individual that um, got mixed up with the wrong people at the end of the day. And I don't think that he was as much the asshole, but just was kind of just tied to trying to continually provide initially for his family because they were in in, uh, Section 8 housing at the end of the day. And he was able to lift all of them out of there. But, you know, as you move on through life, he's constantly supporting the same family network mm-hmm. throughout everything and yep. you know like any kind of stress it seemed like for the most part was more colonel tom parker motivated in a sense um so yeah no i don't think that he's the the big asshole at all except for the adultery and also man god damn 14 years old with priscilla yeah that's rough uh they married seven years later but you know he was boning before oh, you know it show you know it so yeah, yeah I've and also it. the whole like He's just a baby. Yeah. I was like, uh, God. Uh, <laughs> like right on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't like it. So I got to tick him up just a little bit. Um, originally, I would have put him at a 4.9 with my boy Kid Rock because, uh, you know, I, I see some parallels God, there. Sucks, I, I, like, I would rather. Nowadays, I would have ticked Rock. Kid Rock up just a little bit for his recent bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. But so, no, I'm going to have to finish him off at a. Uh, 
Ooh, we gonna finish him off? <laughs> yeah, he is. We're gonna. He's gonna finish Fat Elvis off at. <laughs> we're gonna finish Fat Elvis out at a five point four three, along with Fred Durst. Nice. And okay. so uh, Elvis and Fred Durst. <laughs> that's where I'm gonna put them right there. With. They're is, both legendary performers. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, their stages. Man. Their stages both got destroyed. <laughs> that is uh, the depth that you'll find right here on AHC Podcast. Five point four three. Yeah. Final score from Buddy. Mikey, bring us home. All right. Well, welcome to 2023, the year of musical guests. We've done <laughs> almost, I think we've only done two that aren't musical guests. Yeah. It's been very musical this year. Yeah. It's been fun. I've enjoyed it. It's uh, good stuff. Dolly Parton and all the other Miley. ones. Miley. Miley, all that shit. Uh, that one just made sense, right? Yeah. Tupac. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Elvis. All eyes on me. That's right. Elvis to me is a human being. Like he's just like literally like he's a guy. Right. Like it, it, it's tough to say, like, he, I don't think he had bad intentions. I think he was a normal dude that had a fascination with music and then he blew the fuck up. I mean, he literally went from being turned down by his like music teacher and shit in school and failing those like, other bands he tried out for. Yeah. they got, And yeah. then two years later, he's literally globally famous. Yeah. I don't know how you would possibly deal with that and be normal, especially if you're fucking your mom. So yeah, and like <laughs> hanging out with BB King at that point. Well, yeah. well BB King was nobody at that point when well, they were hanging well, out. Well, it's crazy yeah. to see really, nobody. Like, really, the trajectory that you can you could have taken back then because yeah. the stars weren't. It's not today, right? The social media, the internet was obviously not around. So whatever exposure you got to the stars was selected. Yeah, one hundred percent. It wasn't like just this. They super, were absolute gatekeepers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You didn't get like a, a choice of what yeah. you want to listen to. It was picked, and this yeah. guy was picked. One hundred percent. And even at the time, like the money that he's making early on, where you're like, "Oh, cool, you signed this huge deal, and it's like worth like just over a million dollars." That's what music was then. Like it was still like that's that's like a record setting deal, like a million dollars. That shit's totally normal now. Oh, like yeah. beyond that. But like I said, the whole point about, because we're getting back to his asshole score, is that Elvis to me is a dude that is a, probably a very normal person to some extent. He's not like an insidious bad person. He's also not uh, like super saintly. He is actually really nice though. Yeah, yeah I mean, he is very nice. He's very generous, yeah. almost to the point at fault because he would buy yeah. Cadillacs for everybody and stuff yep. like that. Yep. So that tempers it. The, the hard part is the adultery is tough. That sucks. You know, I mean, honestly, though, it's it's got to be tough on the road, like as a dude that's like everybody is like literally grabbing for that dick all the time. Like, you know, they kind of alluded to that in a sense to where he would he was so popular back then that he would go on to stage. He would have these concerts. And I mean, like girls are throwing yeah. themselves onto yeah, stage yeah. and he would literally like have to be like run out of the stadium and then put into a hotel, and then he's in a hotel all yeah. night until they're traveling to the next town to really do it over again. So it's like a real lonely Oh, yeah. Uh, With so many experience. people wanting you. Well, and that's 100%. what I'm saying. I'm like, like we can all sit here yeah. and be like, oh, you know, whatever. But I was like, imagine that for every day Dude, of your life. I'll be honest. I would have brought my family with me. Yeah, well, he didn't have well, a family. He also, didn't have a lot of that time he didn't have a family. But no. I'm saying, like, well, then bang the chicks. What's well, wrong see, with him? Well, <laughs> they actually kind of portrayed that in the sense where there was a time where he was bringing the family with him, uh. and he would be like performing shows, and like guests would be coming up and like meeting him, and he's sitting there kissing girls on stage uh, with Lisa with Marie. Lisa Marie in the yeah. crowd, and like that's well, like, and they're exhausted. I mean, the, the your family running that tour like that is is not ideal. But like I said, imagine. That every day, every fucking day, you have 
shit thrown at you all the time, all the time for years. And then tell me that you don't whether have, it goes from eggs to panties though. Yeah, yeah, that's but, not bad. But I'm I'll saying take like the latter. <laughs> I mean, like tell me there there may not be a moment of weakness though. Yeah, that's oh, what yeah. I'm saying, especially yeah. because you're away from your significant other for long yeah. stretches of time. Yeah. So I mean, for Elvis, like I said, I, I think uh, the the hard part for me is like uh, Randy alluded to or talked to or talked about rather uh, him abandoning his initial bandmates. Yeah. I mean, and like I said, I get it. You're the star. You're, it's fair. Absolutely. You're the star. But like, how do you fucking shove those guys off and just be like, fuck off? I'd like to know a little bit more of what happened at the time. If there was like I Colonel imagine Tom, it was Parker, Tom Parker, yeah. just like in his ear. Oh, you know what I mean? I, mean, I think that's sense. probably the case. But and that's I, that's what you do. I mean, like in a classic case, you separate your star from his family in a sense, and you isolate it to where you're the only person that is, you know, well, like helping I mean, look out at Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix was, I was honestly right around. He was 1969. Was right around his, you know, his heyday. And he always kept the same band members around. He kept the same bass player and the yeah, same drummer. Ginger Baker and the yeah, and if you can stay grounded yeah. in yeah. that but, sense. I mean, like I said, I, I, I. I sincerely believe that Colonel Tom Parker talked him about like cutting them off but he still owned that shit yeah if we got uh, private jet rich I would there would never be a manager who was like you're the real star Marky Marky (laughs) (laughs) it's in that moment that he realized he wasn't the real star if they called him Marky Marky Mark (laughs) but I was just saying like I sincerely I would never be like oh well fuck these guys off i've done them forever so the way that they portrayed that in the movie was that you look at elvis's relationship with his mom and he was so tied to her that when she passed tom came in and was like i will do everything now i will stay here i will stay with your dad you go to germany i will do the business like he basically stepped into the mother's role in that point and that's like the kind of relationship i get it i mean it's i don't know like that's that's all i see from the movie in a sense you know so slight pass uh anyways aside from all that the rape thing's pretty tough i don't know if that actually happened or not but i mean when she wrote it it sounded like it was pretty real yeah i wouldn't put it past them yeah I mean, and the whole situation sort of rings true. She's like, I'm fucking Mike Stone, the karate instructor. And I could totally see him flipping his shit and being like, God damn it. Everything you have is because of me. I am going to enforce my fucking strength here. I am going to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to project power here and fuck you. So I think I honestly I think it probably happened that way. Yeah. And Um, but I think that she was also using that. And I'm not saying it's right and it justifies it, mm-hmm. but I think that she was using that in a sense because he had been doing her wrong for so long at oh, that certainly. point that she was trying to at least gain a little bit of leverage in that sense. I just want to find Mike Stone, the karate instructor. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, what were you doing? Fucking boning Elvis's wife? That's fucking hardcore, bro. Man. It's like whatever. Like He's just like, I mean, how would you not tell your friends? Right. Yeah. You know oh, oh, absolutely. Dude. I'd be all over that. Yeah. Imagine if I was like, yo, dude, I'm fucking Drake's girlfriend yeah. <laughs> all weekend. It's, he got got to have a fucking clue. Doesn't have a clue. She's like telling me I'm like way better. She's like extra, like describing Drake's you dick see to me. The picture she sent me. Yeah. She's like his dick is small. It's weird. It's like crooked. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, so like <laughs> we're getting like way off here. But um, so at the end of the day, it's, it's sort of a struggle because, like I said, I think he really is a regular person that has normal demons and also some weird demons. I don't think he's a bad person at heart. I think, honestly, he's a really a good person at heart that just got handed a lot of weird shit. 
And so I am going to score him at a... Okay. I'm going to score him at a, a 5.45, which is weird. I, I, I feel like he's... Worse than Fred Durst? above Fred Durst? I don't... Yeah, you do. That's what you rated him. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fred Durst, there's never any allegations of rape with Fred Durst. True. Very Fred true. Durst kept his bandmates together and it paid was them just well. allegations He's a good guy. of douchebaggery. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, Corey did, Love. He did get the crowd all riled up and that. Well, yeah, but the, also, yeah, but we talked about it in the episode. It really wasn't them so it much as it was the entire thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Courtney Love, uh, there's, I mean, there's a non zero chance that she had uh, Kurt Cobain killed. I don't think that happened, so I'm going to put it right there. Yeah. All right. All right. With a 4.82 from Randy, a 5.43 from Buddy, and a 5.45 from Mikey, Elvis's final asshole score is a 5.23. All right. 5.23, interesting company, and a shout-out. So, Elvis came in at 5.23. At 5.22 was our final score for Jerry Springer. Oh, yeah. So, I hate to bring this up, but we have unfortunately killed off a few members of our uh, alumni on the show. Well, and also just mentions, including Elvis's daughter, Lisa Marie Presley, because we mentioned her in the show and she died right afterwards. Yeah. Jerry Springer's dead. We have so many like on our subreddit, they bring it up all the time. And there actually was a comment that they were like, they're not sure if Mikey isn't intentionally naming names to kill people. Just to get rid of them. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> so yeah, Springer was 5.22. We got Elvis in at 5.23. And then Dr. Oz just above that at 5.25. So yeah. Elvis is between Jerry Springer and Dr. Oz. That's oh, right. Yeah. Awesome. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Asshole Court. As you heard last episode, we had a shout out and a, a call for action. AHD Podcast is headed to Denver, going to Podcast Move It 2023. It's the largest uh, podcast convention in America. We're headed out there in August. And like I said, we are not full time podcasters and nobody pays us for this shit. So we're looking for some donations. But he's going to try and figure out how to add on to Patreon a little tab that as a one time donation. Uh, or something like that if you want to try and help us out on our uh, trip over to Denver. And Mikey's going to try to find dudes to fuck on the street for money. There you go. And we can add it to there. (laughs) We did have one badass, awesome fan already make a generous donation to us, and our love for them is... uh, Undying. That's exactly right. Forever. That's right. Awesome. We hope you enjoy this episode. Again, be kind to one another, and we'll see you next time on Asshole Court. Bye-bye, everybody. (laughs) 